the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Stop Talk Radio, the world for people who think. Welcome back to Soft Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil Bradley, together with Joe Quinn. Hi there. We're joined this week by Pierre Lescodon. Hello. And Jason Martin. Hey, what's going on? So, topic of this week's show, no ordinary inside job, the 9-11 PSYOPs. Well, why this topic? Well, it's never really far from the news, even 11 years later. Um, of course, we had the Boston bombings recently, and this immediately took us back to 9-11. We had, in the immediate aftermath of the bombing, the ricin poisoned letter scare, which, of course, is a reminder of the anthrax letter scare, which happened in the aftermath of 9-11. And then I came across this Associated Press story, April 29, 9-11 plane debris found a block away from the World Trade Center site. The story is that they found, well, originally the story was that they found a portion of landing gear. Well, do we want to go to a live broadcast on that? Just rather than have you explain it. And now to that stunning find in New York City we first reported last night here on World News, a piece of one of the planes that hit the Twin Towers on 9-11, found in an alley in downtown Manhattan, wedged between two <laughs> buildings. Tonight, many asking, how could no one have noticed this now more than a decade after 9-11? ABC's John Schriffen on the investigation and the many questions tonight. Just a few blocks from ground zero sits what's believed to be landing gear from one of the hijacked jets that crashed into the World Trade Towers. After such a long period of time, I'm really amazed by what is being discovered right now. It's wedged between two buildings in a narrow alley that hasn't been touched in more than a decade. The space between the two buildings is only 18 inches. Now, the part has been measured to be 5 feet by 4 feet by 17 inches. Authorities say it was found Wednesday morning by workers doing construction on a controversial Islamic cultural center. If you see how confined this space is and realize the chaos that existed down here uh, on this street, I think it's understandable. But authorities don't know how it got there. If you look closely, you can see there's a rope attached to it. Now, could it have been lowered at some time? It's possible. If we look to see if there are marks on the wall, it doesn't appear to be marks on the wall. With so many unanswered questions, authorities will now take their time combing through the rest of the area for other debris or even human remains. Could there be remains of victims well, inside? Chief Medical Examiner will do a in-depth examination of the site to see if, in fact, there are human remains there. And police are guarding the entrance to the alley where that plane part sits because this is now considered a crime scene. And because it could be toxic, authorities will wait until Monday to determine <laughs> just how they will move this remarkable <laughs> discovery. David? Hold on. I, I want to say find John well, let's not say too much about tonight. John, let's thank not, you. I, I just want blah, blah, blah. Let's not say too much about that right now because... Um, well, I want to point one thing out. Okay, though. go ahead. 
you notice that people start saying about how inconsistent something is, and then they follow it up with, but that's understandable. No, it's not. Yeah, no. It's not understandable. Yeah. The greatest terrorist attack ever, and they didn't comb the entire area for all the evidence. They missed a piece. How thorough was their investigation? It's not understandable. Well, we're also going to have a special guest on by the name of Dr. Judy Wood, who we're delighted to have on today. She is... uh, all right, let's, let's check first. Dr. Wood, are you there? Hi, Dr. Wood, are you there? Hello, are you receiving us? Mm. You should be. Might be having some trouble with the microphone. On, Hello, on Dr. this Wood? line? Are, are you talking on this line? Oh, sorry, this is not Dr. Wood. This is who? Who, who is this? Oh, my name is uh, my name is Pete Santilli. How are you? Hi, Pete. Hi. Hi, how are you? Not too bad. What's going on? You were asking for Dr. Wood on this line? Uh, we were making a mistake there, but go ahead. Yeah, Did I you think you were. No I, I was, uh, no, I was listening in. I'm very intrigued by your presentation. And uh, I, uh, I understand your, your focus. Now, this is what I've been learning within the past year or so about uh, 9-11 evidence. Uh, and, I, and, and in listening to your, your opening presentation... Uh, of course, criticizing um, you know the fact that uh, that they've they've overlooked some evidence. I also want to encourage everyone uh, to make sure that they they don't overlook uh, the evidence that exists, uh, especially uh, in where did the towers go. Uh, we want right. to also consider that evidence as well and not exclude that. And I find that a lot of the nine you know so-called 9-11 truthers and the scholars and all of those organizations out there, they, they seem to be pushing their agenda when, in fact, they're also excluding, uh, you know, the evidence that's contained in where do the towers go. So I want to remind everybody that, you know, although we can run around and criticize and say, look, we found this, you know, this piece of landing gear on a plane that, quite frankly to me, it doesn't even matter. The planes don't matter. Um, so... So you could tell me that you found an entire uh, jumbo jet laying, you know, in the Hudson River. It has nothing to do with how the buildings turn to dust in midair. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want to. I want to. I agree with you. But I'd, lo- I'd like to add to that one thing. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about nine eleven is that no matter what story they tell, no matter what kind of lie they try to sell, mm-hmm. it's incredible that people don't think that they're completely retarded. Even if you believe their story. What kind of investigation they did? I mean, you see like TV shows about FBI investigations where they gather up every little tiny piece of the plane and try to reassemble right. it. You know, we had this illusion that they do a thorough investigation. You know, how does a giant piece of landing gear go missing? I mean, like in, in the book, where the, where the towers go, there's no rubble, right? Uh, where, where's or the wreckage from the little. plane? Where's the wreckage from the plane? Type of thing, you know? Yeah. And did they just assume, yeah. well, it must have gotten burned up because you know what? No, it doesn't. Where did it go? You know, and no matter how yeah, that's you look right. where at it, the, where do the towers go? That's right. Yeah, no matter how yeah. you look at their explanation, there's always huge holes in it because they're making shit up. <laughs> they're just lying. They, they really, really are. And I, and this is from what from what I've observed in learning this because you know what I I, I was uh, you know I'm a former United States Marine. I was a very very patriotic individual. I immediately from the narrative that they unraveled you know right from moment number one, I wanted to go kill brown people in the desert immediately. Um, from from the initial story. Now, you know, 10, 12 years later, I'm discovering that as this evidence started coming out, organizations like the FBI are may not be uh, necessarily incompetent. Uh, I would say at at 
at the very least, they're incompetent. But uh, what, what their job is is to find out what we start to know over that 10-year period, and that's where they go and they try to cover up what actually happened. I believe well, the, the FBI <clears> – <throat> go ahead. The thing that you, you just hit on the main point, no matter how you slice the situation, they have to go. The people that were in power at the time are in power. they got to go because at the very least, they're completely incompetent and have no business oh. running things. Yes, at the sir. very least. I mean, even if yes, they're sir. not culpable of criminal conspiracy, they're still so freaking incompetent that you got to fire them. You know? They, they, hey, Pete, they actually are. You, are. Uh, Peter, go ahead. Have, you got any, have you got an online presence or anything like that? Or are you, have you, are you active online in 9-11 Truth and stuff like I, that? I do, but, I, but uh, very sincerely, I mean, that's, that's, not the, you know, that's not the main reason for my call to, you know, to, to promote. My, I mean, I'm, I, I uh, actually I quit my day job as a consumer advocate and a small business owner uh, December 2011, okay. and I said uh, I was going to start a radio show. So I have a radio show, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh, but but, but I, you know that I'm not here to promote that. I, I'm sincerely not, and I don't like you know when people do that on my show to come and promote me. But I wanted to call in because it is the, one of the most important things in our okay. generation to establish the truth about 9/11. Right. Okay. Okay, Pete. Just ho- hold on there for a second. Um, I have to go to another call here on a little on a little introduction. So if you can just hold on the line there for a second. You sure can, but I, I do have more that I want to share with you and, okay. and, and hey, everyone. Just, hey, just give me yeah. a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, today we've got Judy Wood, and Judy Wood is on the line now. Okay, excellent. Oh, Judy, are you there? Uh, yes, uh, Dr. Wood. No, excuse me. Dr. Wood is here. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, Dr. Wood um, has written, as our previous caller brought up, a very interesting book on 9-11. It's called Where Do the Towers Go? Thank you for agreeing to come on at such a short notice. Um, I should explain to our listeners, a lot of people probably heard of your work or of uh, your website or book, but I'll just uh, give a little brief bio. So Dr. Wood uh, has a degree in, a PhD rather, in uh, mechanics engineering. Is that correct, Dr.? Um, my bachelor's degree is in civil engineering, uh, structural engineering. My master's degree is in engineering mechanics, which is applied physics. And my PhD is in materials engineering science, which is an interdisciplinary uh, study between engineering mechanics and materials engineering. <clears throat> oh, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Wood. Um, so in the first half of the show, we want to look at uh, what makes 9-11 no ordinary inside job. Now, Dr. Wood has compiled and analyzed a lot of evidence um, that – yes, sorry? You, you said it was an inside job. You assumed it was an inside job. Now, well, inside job uh, is that's just people bandy around, you know? So we're saying that it's not just, you know, people like, oh, it's an inside job. I, well, I suppose the word uh, inside job is used just to make it – to, to dismiss the official story, I suppose, is a general term to dismiss the official story. Well, that, that's a better way of putting it. it, it it's not this, it, you know, it's not the story as advertised. Exactly. That's that's really what we mean by inside job. It's just such a common term. Uh, we Nobody just knows to use it. But, but that um, you know meme that got started about being inside job is actually uh, counterproductive because what you're doing is starting out saying you know who did it before you even know what got done. 
Well, I think what, what we're trying to say is that we are pretty sure that we know that what the uh, government says about who did it is not true. Well, yeah, well, like uh, basically, basically uh, Osama bin Laden from a cave in Afghanistan. I think most people can agree that we can kind of dispense with that. But uh, I understand your point, Dr. Wood, and I think uh, the right way to go is to follow the evidence without uh, preconception and see uh, where it leads us. So maybe we can start uh, addressing those points, and in particular, I think this uh, justification process that uh, <coughs> definitely show that the official story doesn't hold water and the alternative story this uh, termite or this controlled demolition uh, doesn't hold water uh, much more. Wait a minute. This, this, isn't, this isn't Russian roulette. This isn't uh, multiple choice pop quiz. In order to determine you know, anything, you need to begin with what happened. You need to determine yeah. what happened. You need to identify the problem that you're trying to solve. You can't say, well, the answer is 27. I just know the answer is 27. Right or wrong? Uh, well, what's the question? You have to know what the question is in order to know what answer it is. And the, the way cover-ups work is to get people to, to immediately assume how it was done before they determine what it is, who did it, why they did it. You know, they hate us for our freedoms, uh, you know, airplanes in the buildings, Osama bin Laden. They tell us all these things, everything except for what happened. And you have to begin with what happened. That's your problem statement. And if you give it anything else, you can never, ever solve the problem. You know why? Yeah. You know why? If you start out with a theory, what you're doing, if you start out with, with how it was done, you have to assume, you have to imagine what it is. So you're solving an imaginary problem. You're not solving the real problem. And you're never going to solve the real problem if you're solving an imaginary problem. Although we are told how it happened by the official story, which is that two planes crashed. How it crashed. happened? What is it? What is it that happened? Well, it well, it is the destruction of the World Trade Center uh, towers and the destruction of the Pentagon, and that that was caused by three planes hijacked by Arab terrorists. That's that's the how of the official the story. Cutters. But you first need to determine what it is that happened. Well, well, that's what I just said. What it is, as far as the American people and the world public is, it is the attack by Arab terrorists on America specifically. The attack that involved the hijacking of airplanes. But, but because other people are engaging in, in conspiracy theories, doesn't mean you need to, does it? Well, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, what do you mean? No, well, uh, see, if, if you're, you know, there's this conspiracy theory that this guy Bin Laden did, did X, Y, and Z and conspired with his group of people. A conspiracy is when two or more people plan to do something illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a conspiracy. And it's a yeah, theory. Of course, yeah, yeah. So, so that's a conspiracy theory. There's other conspiracy theories that, that go around that that somebody planted thermite in the building and other people did this, other people bombs. In the, all that, that's conspiracy theories. That doesn't get you anywhere. You need to begin with determining what happened by looking at the evidence. Okay, and, maybe and that's we the can only way here. you can solve the problem. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time. Uh, an example I've I've been giving lately is um, well, a couple of examples. One is the Casey Anthony. Uh, trial that everyone got all upset about because they were busy assuming who did it before they even knew what got done. And the reason why the, the, the case had to end up with, you know, not guilty, because what was the crime? They had yet to determine what happened to the child. And you That's can't convict person. somebody if you don't know what happened. And, mm-hmm. and the same thing with, uh, you know, okay, let's also look at um, 
uh, you know, a lot of people get all worked up about the Sandy Hook thing. And another thing I say is know what you know that you know. Establish what you know. Well, what do you know about Sandy Hook? Nothing. So everything is just imagination and, you know, just all sorts of theories about this, that, and the other, and you can never solve anything. Well, you have Dr. to what, begin with, with evidence well, Dr. about what happened. Of course, yeah. You're talking about evidence, but when when you talk about what happened, <clears throat> there is a narrative, an official narrative of what happened on 9-11. And obviously, by implication, you're saying that that is false and has to be looked at uh, yeah, again because the evidence does not support that theory or that claim well, I, I of what actually what happened. That, I don't know what all that story is because on 9-11, when I saw what I saw on the TV set, what they're telling me didn't agree with what I was seeing, so I just tuned it out. When my okay. eyes that, don't agree, I, I just ignore, I block out all the, you know, the the, the talk, the noise. Right, but you can't be like an ostrich with the head in the sand about that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, there is obvious, okay, here's, the, I mean, there no, is No, what I'm saying is evidence. I don't, I don't want there to is waste evidence. time with, with conspiracy theories because that gets nowhere. So I just tune out conspiracy theories because I want to know what happened. I see evidence in front of me. I want to go look at the evidence. So I go look at the evidence. Okay. I don't need so, to know what, what various theories are if I have evidence in front of me. That's what matters. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Before there is evidence. No, and, no, no. You're being unscientific right there because you are classifying evidence as being only physical. And that's not fair because there is there's verbal evidence. The story that they tell the uh, narrative. Wait, you, tell the news hang on, hang on. You, you've made an assumption, a false assumption or a false accusation that's incorrect. You said I'm not being scientific. It is the inverse of that. It is the scientific thing to do to first begin with what happened. Not he said, she said, who said, what said. That is not even admissible in court. It's called hearsay. You have to begin with evidence. And, what the uh, evidence uh, says, not not what somebody says, somebody else says, what somebody else says. You know, the, the, the t- somebody on the TV, some news reporter says that they heard from somebody else who heard from somebody else something about Bin Laden. That is hearsay. I tuned out because it's it's meaningless until you first true. establish what happened. Okay, and, and Doctor Wood, you probably shouldn't dispense with the idea of a conspiracy theory because maybe the evidence that you but, have hang, hang on, up. you have to begin with what happened. Yeah, but I'm just saying you, you that... Can, you can get... that That's, uh, you know, step number three and four about who did it and why. Yeah. A no, conspiracy I, I, is, is involves who conspired yeah. with whom. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about the who part of it. I'm talking about the physical evidence. But that ultimate, has nothing to do with who. Ultimately, your evidence might point to a, a, a conspiracy, evidence of a conspiracy. You need to no? begin with what happened. Yeah, that's of course. Step, step by step. One. You can't be if you start solving step number four before you solve step number one. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're you're assuming what step number one is, so you're solving an imaginary problem, not a real problem. In order to solve a real problem, you must begin with number one, determining what happened, okay. and then so, and only then can you determine how it happened. You have to define what it is before you can solve what. Okay, let's you know, start with step number happened. one. Doctor, right, and then, uh, and then uh, number three is uh, who did it or who planned to do it. You, you still have to determine what it is that got done. Okay, let's start with uh, step number one and let's see where the evidence leads to. Well, yeah. Let, let's, okay, hot that's, that's observation, and then we can go on with step two and three. But indeed, step number one is evidence, hot facts. What are the the observation, concrete observations? 
the reason why I was being so rigorous about that is because that is why no one can solve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it, because they begin with uh, step number two, three, or four, and they assume what step number one is, so they only solve an assumed problem. And uh, you know, it, it it may sound a, a bit odd and a little you know self-serving, but it, it, it's not. My book is the only determination of what happened that is out there in the public domain, and that includes the NIST report. The NIST report. What they did was assume a problem. They solved a, a probable hypothetical problem. They did not determine what happened. So let us determine what happened. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, do you want to give us a – do you have a summation or – Well, the, the, in, in simple terms, what, what I determined uh, in most sim- simple, uh, uh, the most simply put way is that the towers – and uh, but you know all seven buildings were destroyed. It wasn't three buildings. It wasn't you know four buildings. It was seven buildings, and uh, they, they didn't burn up, nor did they slam to the ground. They turned into dust in midair. And how do we know that? We know that because if they had slammed to the ground, you'd see a pile of debris left over, which didn't happen. If they slammed to the ground. You, you know, the, it's something that few people realize that the uh, the towers were built in the Hudson River on bedrock that's 70 feet below the water table. And it has a dike built around it that they refer to as a bathtub or slurry wall. It was a slurry wall when they initially were building it, but it's sort of like the reverse of a bathtub. It keeps the water out because uh-huh. the lower seven stories or so are below the water table. And so if those buildings had slammed to the ground, They'd have ruptured the the the, uh, the dike. Yeah, because we are talking about one million ton. The two towers uh, amount to one million ton slamming to the ground and damaging the dike and damaging also the hollow parts under the ground, the the shopping mall and the tunnels for the metro and the car parks that were pristine after the this event, right? Well, not pristine, but it was you could walk around there without bending over. <laughs> and you could read, yeah. like in the mall, you could read the signs. You could see the merchandise stacked up on the shelf, just covered with dust. Some of the lights came yeah. in loose out ceilings. Uh, the path train station had, had a, a train sitting there. And um, some of the cars were damaged, but I think there was at least four of them that were absolutely not damaged at all. And when they were... You know, excavating stuff. In February, is a picture of him pulling out one of the um, the path trains from the station in pristine condition. It had the FEMA, you know, red X on it where they count bodies and you know how many live or dead or whatever. You know, that that, that thing that FEMA puts on things when they go through something. So um, the bathtub but, was uh, intact, and also the seismic records show uh, figures that are much lower than what was expected when you compare, for example, to the records. Uh, Relating to the Seattle you Dome, the, right? The, the, yeah, the seismic signal. Yeah, the third thing is yeah. that it, if you had buildings slamming to the ground, uh, you would have had a seismic signal that that reflected that, and it did not. Not only that, the uh, you know the real smoking gun of it all is that these towers were on bedrock. If you're slamming anything down that bedrock, it's like hitting a tuning fork with a hammer. It's going to yeah. ring, and and you have that seismic recording station at the other end of that same bedrock. Just for yet, to, yet to have an idea of figures, uh, the potential energy of water center was about 30 times more than the one of um, Seattle Dome, and the magnitude was roughly the same, 2.1, 2.3? Well, 
Right. The Seattle Kingdom made the, the equivalent of a 2.3 on the Richter scale. Mm-hmm. And it was on sort of a jello foundation, you know, the washout from, you know, erosion. Um, yeah. And it was kind of at water level, but it it wasn't on bedrock. It uh, it made a 2.3 on the equivalent on the Richter scale. Tower 1, when it, it supposedly slammed to the ground, um, or, or say allegedly slammed to the ground, it, it made a 2.3 on the Richter scale equivalent, and Tower 2 made a 2.1. And that was only estimated through surface waves for the two towers. This is yeah, the no difference between those. Not S wave or P wave. S wave is um, uh, it uh, is a shear wave. It 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 uh, causes motion transverse to the direction of travel, kind of like wiggling a jump rope back and forth. And the P wave uh, is the primary wave. It's like snapping rubber band. You know, like you hit a hammer on a rock and it goes ping, you know, directly through it. That's a, a P wave. There was no P wave or S wave, uh, no de- detectable P wave or S wave associated with the demise of any of the of the WTC buildings. And uh, what's your take on it? Because uh, this uh, WTC, that, yeah, that means that it did not travel through the Earth. The signal didn't travel through the Earth. So basically, 2.3 was surface waves only. So basically, almost nothing or uh, nothing uh, relevant or nothing massive hit the ground. Something uh, that we would yeah. expect to see. No, that it's it's like the 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 only wave that was recorded was a surface wave, which is what you would get if you lifted the buildings off of the ground, and the ground now no longer had a million tons sitting on it, and it, it kind of did a rebound. Yeah. That, that's all that was recorded, was the the uh, surface wave. And, and earlier there was a um, there was a uh, gas uh, tank, storage tank in New Jersey, that exploded. Somebody overfilled it and it exploded. Didn't even melt the steel. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it made. And this is above ground explosion, and it caused a, a, a three point zero on the Richter scale. And also made it both an S wave and a P wave, as well as a surface wave. And the same with WTC7, where the magnitude was 0.6 for a building that had a potential energy 10 times greater than the Seattle Dome, right? So there is this uh, inconsistency. Um, six times uh, greater potential energy okay. than the, the Seattle Kingdom, but it made a 0.6 on the Richter scale. Which which is uh, you know almost nothing. Think of a, uh, a dump truck rolling down the empty dump truck rolling down the street, going over you know bumps in the street, boom, 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 boom. I mean, it, you know, it, it's uh, I think probably greater than that. Not, so all of maybe this, not. all of this is fairly fairly conclusive, conclusive, or fairly strong evidence that the buildings did not just collapse in toto with their entire weight, the weight of the materials hitting the ground. It, Exactly. The, the seismic uh, thing is hard to get around. There's there's quite a few different recording stations, and they all agree. And uh, Building 7, uh, some of the recording stations, they could not even pick up a signal, you know, difference out of background noise. I was going to ask you uh, what NIST made of all of this, but I presume that NIST just uh, ignored it. Well, they, they correctly reported it. They just uh, they, didn't know what they didn't know what they didn't find it significant. Yeah. And well, uh, they didn't. 
just it just kind of it, it, you know um, hmm, wonder what to think of that. Now, one thing is interesting is I, I think you know those people probably uh, were limited to what their conclusion could be, but what goes into the report it has to be correct information. The data has to be correct. Mm-hmm. They can misinterpret it or omit it, but they can't yeah. like put in Photoshop. They could yeah. they can't put in fake data. Uh, so that would—that's would, treason if if they do that. So they generally just glossed over stuff. Right, right. And actually, in my book, I have I have literal quotes from the NIST report stating there's no S wave and P wave associated with it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but but they failed to make a conclusion from that. And the conclusion from it is, if you don't have an S wave and a P wave, you don't have a signal traveling through the Earth. Mm-hmm. If the signal's mm-hmm. not traveling through the Earth, the building didn't slam to the ground. Well, okay. they didn't give a conclusion, but they also didn't ask the question. That begged the question, right? Right. They that, gave that, the data. Never yeah. Right, they, and, uh, they gave the data. <laughs> if, if there was no seismic uh, records or very faint ones, uh, where did the towers go? There was not much debris. There was not much seismic uh, uh, records. So where are they? Where did they go? Uh, there was a lot of dust there. And yeah. uh, oh. if you if you... You know, do some estimates about the depth of the dust. You know, it's ankle deep, uh, you know, a half mile away. Uh, and you can kind of see from the satellite image a circular, uh, you know, area or an arc. And I estimated that that was a full circle because you can't see what's in the river. If you estimate the, the size of that circle and the approximate depth of it uh, and do some just average calculation, it, it does kind of jive with uh, the amount of material gone. If you assume, you know, a certain kind of, you know, um, density of, of it. Okay. And uh, uh, a lot of dust, and what about debris? Because when you see pictures, in, uh, for example, this picture that is a, as a free page in your, in your book, uh, the amount of debris is very, very small. There might be what, the equivalent of one, two, three stories of debris where we expect maybe 20 or 30 uh, which, uh, stories which high of debris. It's Which the, page it's might the, you be referring to? It's the, it's the pull-out page, you know, the color... Uh, the third, oh, oh, the, the, yeah, the bookmark. Part. Yeah, yeah, the bookmark. Um, yeah, debris are, are very uh, very small compared to, to what we could expect. Right, and, and it didn't spill much across the street. <laughs> yeah. I think people can see with their own eyes uh, oh, what yeah. you have really... what you have discovered uh, based on your analysis, which is that a large part of the building's do seem to have turned to dust rather than collapsed as a largely intact pieces. And we um, also saw a lot of the dust go up. Indeed. Up into, into the, the air, down. yeah. So there was some kind of, almost like there was some kind of propulsion, but a uh, mechanism propelling this dust outwards and upwards. Or taking it up, you know, maybe it was, it, it had, you know, like helium balloons in it, you know, taking it up. But it, <laughs> it definitely went up, but it was, on, you know, on a mission. It was going somewhere. It, it, the, some of the satellite images that show this sort of like tube of it just going up. And it, it really is curious why it would go up, but the fact that it went up, and we you know, know that a, a significant amount went up because initially uh, it blocked out 100% of the sunlight for several minutes. The people couldn't mm-hmm. see their hand in front of their face. So we know mm-hmm. it went up because it blocked out the sun. But also uh, the fact that a, a significant amount of the dust went up means that whatever is left on the ground is, is a biased sample of it. You can't just mm-hmm. analyze that dust because you don't know what went up, what part of it went up. But in the analysis and, of that, and in the analysis of that dust on the ground, there were was there anything anomalous about it? Uh, 
the the greatest thing because it it you know a dustified building it has constituents of everything that was in the building. Um, the but the, uh, the biggest thing to comment on is the size of it. That it was you know a, a large portion of it was um, along the size of DNA, one hundredth of the size of red blood cells. So obviously, people inhaling that went right into their bloodstream. Their lung didn't filter that out at all. Mm-hmm. Some kind of nano dust. Um, yeah, just super, super nano. It's uh, you know, very, very small size particles. Uh, and it, in this dust, actually, you have all the content of the building that is steel, furniture, concrete, and also human beings. Uh, yeah, and. Um, there's the one uh, the previous parts of this is that in one of the studies of the fumes coming off uh, is that those fumes could not be high heat. That is what caused the fumes because in that those fumes that's why I call it just generically fumes whatever this foggy stuff is that that rises up is uh, uh, biological content organic uh, you know components uh, and it you wouldn't have that. If it was if it was a vapor from from heat, you know the the material that vaporized, you wouldn't have that in there. Exactly. So that was an that was analyzed, and there were there was organic content. Yes. Is that is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, and that, that's, it, that's in the book. It bridged to an, another point. Uh, one of the anomalies is this. Uh, it's difficult to use words because they are loaded, but uh, those. Uh, Fumes, those uh, what we could call some kind of fires or glowing stuff, didn't seem to be associated with the usual uh, heat and uh, high temperature that goes with it. Excellent! You you deserve a great applause for that one. Yeah, the glowing stuff. Yeah, the or- orange stuff. Right. Yeah, that's, what's that's, associated with heat? You mean in the uh, in the rubble? Yeah, people see saw the orange stuff that was glowing. Well, the orange stuff that was glowing, you know, some people say, oh, that's, that's hot molten metal or it's, you know, glowing red, you know, red hot. But, but this stuff was sitting on paper that wasn't burning. Although so it can't there, be hot. Although there, there does seem to have been reports, there are several reports. I mean, I'm relying on YouTube here and archive footage of, um, of fire, firemen uh, and, and emer- you know, rec- rescue personnel, etc., working on the rubble for several weeks afterwards, making statements that, that it was hot. Uh, yes. Can you walk on your uh, your barbecue grill? Well, no. That they've said that their boots were melting and all this kind of stuff. You know. Right. Right. See, if my steel oven, they said their steel toed boots were melting. If my steel oven's melting, the turkey inside is more than well done. It's like you know scorched. It'll be well cooked. So here the right. temperature you're talking about. So, so but but, to... but these are not material scientists. They're not also. Uh, trained to analyze what they're doing. They're there for a different purpose. And people have questions. And as soon as they're given an answer, they usually just run with it, especially in an emergency kind of situation or, or a traumatic event. They don't stop and analyze if that makes sense or not. Like the steel-toed boots melting. That was just repeated, repeated, repeated. And nobody realized that, you know, why they were saying it. Uh, they just assumed it was true because somebody told them that, and it just goes on. And the, the the weirdest one is uh, the statement by Rudy Giuliani. I'm not yeah. judging him at all, and I sort of feel sorry for him for having said this because he's probably embarrassed now. But somebody apparently told him that that these are, he, he that the ground was 2,000 degrees right below him and fires would break out. You know, he was talking about he was to the governor. Well, I could be standing here, and you could be standing there, governor, and and there'd be a fire break out between us. 
Mm. That seems it to be a, a nature. by an act of God they weren't killed or something like that. So, 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 Doctor Wood, you're saying that it was. I not mean, you're hot. suggesting obviously you're, you're suggesting that it was not hot. That this glowing red stuff was not hot. Therefore, it was not fire. If it's on a piece of paper and the paper is not burning. Okay. So I look at the evidence, not not people's interpretation of the evidence. People can say, you know, the steel-toed boots are melting, but you stop and think about it. If the feet inside aren't aren't cooked, you know, and the people have their, have to get their legs amputated, how could they be going yeah. through how many you know pairs of steel-toed boots melting? There seems okay. to be a, a cause, uh, a non-causative agent that leads some material, because it seems quite material-specific, that bows, that bends, that uh, softens those materials. Uh, at the same time, there's not these uh, associated high temperatures. Right, and and people have their set views of life. They have like a uh, a set of um, uh, multiple choices that they can pick from, and th- the right answer isn't in their set of choices. So they just pick one of them. Like that's why they say, you know, hot rolling molten metal, because they don't know how to describe something that they've not been taught before. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Dr. Wood, we have a call here. I'm just going to go ahead and take it and see okay. if anyone has a, an interesting uh, question for you. Yeah. Hi, caller. What's your name and where are you calling from? Okay. Hello? Caller? Hello? Uh, are you asking for me again? Yes. Oh, this is, this, is Pete, this is Pete Santilli. You know, in, in the interest of Hello? a full disclosure... No, no, sorry. Pete, not, Pete, not you. Sorry. Oh. Uh, the other caller. Are you okay. there? Sorry, Pete. Pete, not you. Sorry. Hello. And other caller. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Can you turn your turn your speakers there on? There we go. Can you... Thanks. We're getting feedback. Okay. Thank you. What's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Betsy, and I'm calling from North Carolina. Hi, Betsy. Hi. Hi. How y'all doing? Pretty good. I just have a question for Dr. Wood. I'm curious how she determined. I mean, I totally agree with her. There is not enough debris. Um, definitely something's up that we haven't seen before. But I'd like to know how she determined that this was some type of energy weapon as opposed to, say, nanomachines, which we know the government already has. At least they've admitted it to a certain degree, which means they're probably far, a lot farther along in the development of man, nanomachines than they're letting us know. And it would account for all the other anomalies we see of the glowing metal and and the whole nine yards if this was done by something like that or any other type of unknown technology. Why? How did she eliminate those as opposed to the energy weapons? There's three basic categories that I put weapons into. There's there's uh, kinetic energy weapons that could destroy a building, including a, a wrecking ball, you know, a missile, a hammer, <laughs> a jackhammer, uh, a bomb. You know that that but it's something that physically hits something else and and uh, you know harms it that way. Then there's thermal energy weapons, heat. You know, was the building cooked to death? Was it melted? Was it vaporized because of this you know extremely high heat? And then the third category is energy weapons. These are just overall categories. Well, you don't have the computerized weapons in there, the nano machines. That's what I was asking. How? What is their mode of operation? Is it? Is it? Uh, uh, disassembling the parts bit by bit, eating it up. Is it is it a, a nano, uh, you know, a termite that eats things, or you know, what what is it? In the very simplistic terms, yeah, you could call them computerized okay, termites. Okay, that's, that, that's, that, that's they, a, they go so incredibly fast. You know, they're using uh, them in the body now to eat plaque off the arteries. 
Okay, um, if that goes fast, then that means it, it, you, obviously it's a kinetic energy weapon. Okay, that's what I was okay. Something that physically is touching something and and uh, taking it apart. If it's like a you know a, a nanotermite, it's going to be eating thing. It's going to be taking bites out of it. Right. It, that's just like a mini bomb, you know, taking bites out of it. Billions of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's that's right. what I'm wondering because when I saw that and I saw. Not enough debris to account for that entire building, but at the same time there is some debris, and just just the, the way the fires broke out in certain areas. That uh, apparent fires. Pardon me. Apparent fires. Called fire. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, 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 the stuff with the flame language. coming out. Mm-hmm. Right, right. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Our our, our language, uh, you know, is very uh, biasing, and it's it's hard to pick neutral language, but it's important just to put, pick something. Instead of saying characteristic two nine seven dash five a, you know, it's easier to pick a, another word like you know what I use is Cheetos. Um, the the initial picture I saw it looked like old Cheeto on the ground, orange thing that was glowing, but I ended up calling them Cheeto fires or you know uh, weird fires or okay, the nanomachines could account yeah. for the Cheetos. Because uh, it works so fast that they yeah, I mean, if, if there was a picture a cloud of a billion nano machines that are that are released, you know, suddenly in in multiple locations, um, you would get the fast, same effect that we saw in those videos. Not 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 uh, really. If uh, they're working so fast, eating eating this up, there's you know, and, and using uh, friction or mechanical force to take the building apart, there's going to be or a lot chemical. of friction. There's going to be a lot of heat. And that's, yeah, and that, that's where the heat came from. The, 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 the a nanomachine is most likely also to be using a chemical as opposed to a mechanical but, way of so you would call actually, you know, turning as you put dustifying it. So, so you would call it a, so. So it's a, what you're saying is this action is a, a thermal energy weapon. Say if that again. Using, what? So you're saying it's actually a thermal. It's acting as a thermal energy weapon if it's working. I'm so saying fast, it could be either. I certainly don't know what it is, but I'm saying that nanomachines are being designed and already are in use right, but to that's, use that's, both chemical and mechanical. So you really wouldn't know which one they would use. Uh, but but it, you can rule out a thermal energy weapon. Why? Because uh, how many people were? Uh, I, I usually play the. You know, the, maybe I could play it. Um, I, that uh, this. There'd be a lot of heat involved, right? You know how how many you know how many uh, people do you know who reported being blinded? I, I don't have any of the stats on the people hurt in front of me at all. I do know a lot got out, which would you think if an energy weapon was involved, it'd be boom instantaneous. Um, I know lots of people got out down the stairs using oh, no, their no, so you're, cell you're, phones you're and whatnot. They, they, they had time to escape, so there it wasn't an what? instantaneous vaporization. No, but what you're you're assuming? Oh, it can't be an energy weapon because this is my idea of an energy weapon. So therefore, it's not. It doesn't fit my idea. So therefore, it can't be an energy weapon. That's the argument you're using. You need uh, to begin at the front end and and do on the very most general uh, basis you can you can do. Is it is it, an energy weapon? Is something that doesn't physically contact something. And it doesn't destroy it by means of heat. And what does think, it use? Think of uh, different kinds of uh, energy waves. For example, it's not usually used as a weapon, but uh, a type of directed energy is a radio signal. Well, I mean, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it couldn't be an energy weapon. Um, the question I was asking is how did you decide it was an energy weapon as opposed to a nanomachine? 
uh, looking at the evidence. So we, we haven't quite gotten to that part, but there's there are images where you have you have uh, steel beams falling through the air, and they never hit the ground because they turned into dust before they hit the ground. Another thing here is that if we if we if we actually look at uh, what Doctor Wood has written, is that we can't really determine what kind of weapon. I mean, we can get some ideas based on looking at the evidence, but it's it's too, it's, it's too hard to say exactly what kind of weapon was used. Yeah, that was but, my point. But we can, but we can say what category of weapon. We can know what we can rule out. How would we know do that? Know you know that you know. Know what you know that you know. Now, here's here's something that uh, you know may have been uh, missing on on 9/11. Let's see if I can uh, play it here. Did you hear that? Yeah. Blinded by the light. How Mm -hmm. many people on 9-11 were blinded by the light? If something is using high heat, if it's going to be glowing because it's hot, you'd have that thing lit up like a 4th of July sparkler. And you, you didn't see any blinding light coming out of the thing. Also, there were 14 people in stairwell B who walked out on their own. There's two more above where these guys were trapped in the first, second, third, and fourth floor, that area. But there's two more above that in stairwell B who survived even though the building didn't. And then there's another group. So they walked out on their own. They didn't complain of being cooked to death. So what you're saying, it it would have to be an energy weapon, but it could be an energy weapon planted inside a nanomachine. We're not getting into the, guessing at this, that, and the other. We just keep it in the general categories: a thermal yeah, energy we, we, device, we got or, gr- or we got or, some or ground a, to cover. We've got some right. ground to cover before we can answer those questions, Betsy. So, uh, but thanks okay. for your call. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank bye. You. And uh, yeah, yeah, maybe we can. Let me just go. Let me just go to Pete. Pete, are you there? I am, and I'm so sorry that you guys had my line open. I didn't expect to no, be on. Yes. I know. I'm sorry for keeping you on the line there, but if you have a question for Dr. Wood, can you just get it out there or a statement I, or I a comment you, and just make, it, make it brief? Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm going well, I'm, I'm I'm to make it brief, uh, but I, I, uh, and I and in the interest of full disclosure, I've, I've had pretty much all of my answers uh, to my questions provided by Dr. Wood. I've I've actually had her on my show. There, there was a comment here, and then, and then I'll get off the line. I don't need to be on here, and Dr. Wood will yeah. do just uh, just fine. But you, you opened up the show, and, and this is my main thing that I would like to uh, to, to, to convey uh, and ask why anyone would say that it uh, is an attack by Arab terrorists. What I've been able to determine through looking at and learning from Dr. Judy Wood is that it it being the uh, the Arab terrorist has nothing to do with the evidence whatsoever. As a matter of fact, the evidence, quite frankly, points in a completely different direction. But one thing that I would like to share before I leave is that the most important thing that I've learned is that by shows like this regurgitating the terminology of the PSYOP, I think it's prolonged the PSYOP to about 12 years. You've got to be really, really cautious, cautious, and I've learned that. But, Dr. Wood, don't you agree that, that by using their terminology over and over and over again, it perpetuates the PSYOP? Don't you agree with that? Oh, as well as, uh, you know, just making assumptions like uh, steel-toed boots melting or all steel shipped to China or Larry Silverstein's put It's just all these, this mantra that just gets, you know, regurgitated over and over again, and people stay locked into uh, their assumptions of what happened instead of looking at the evidence. And and uh, what I've come to realize is 
is uh, how easy, easy it is to run a cover-up. What you mm-hmm. can do is get get people to jump in and start guessing. It was it was this kind of weapon. It was that kind of weapon. It was a nanobot. It was a thermite. It was a this or that. But what they're doing, if they jump into how it was done without looking at what was done, they're having to assume what was done. So they're solving an imaginary problem, not a real problem, and they can never, ever, ever solve it that way. So they just go round, 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 arguing about their opinions and speculations or theories and hypotheses and this, and never getting where, and they don't realize. They just need to look at the evidence. Like on day one, look at the TV set. It's showing a building turning into dust in midair. Why, mm-hmm. for almost 12 years, have people been unable to see that? Mm-hmm. That is Very true. Pete, I'm going to let you go. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, thanks for the call. And maybe we can go back to uh, empirical evidence and observation. Uh, one, this causative agent seemed to have a, had some effect on the molecular level. Uh, maybe you can talk um, a bit about those quickly, very quick rustification and separation of um, carbon and uh, and uh, um, iron in steel uh, material. Right, it's steel. Um, if you know what, what I've seen, looking at various other parallel evidence. You know, I'm not saying what did it. I'm, I can see. You know, it's like I draw yes. a circle around what. I've found everything, and then I can toss out of that what it can't be, like thermal energy weapons or kinetic energy weapons. And so yeah. it does leave us with, with some, some type of energy that was directed and used as a weapon. And what I mean by directed is it's directed geographically, you know, buildings with all your WTC prefix uh, for the most part, and also directed as in giving it instructions to do something differently than it normally does. Energy usually, uh, you know, you have molecules attract each other. The evidence yes. shows that they that they suddenly start repelling each other. They're doing the opposite of what they normally do. Okay. And, that's, that's... and when they start repelling each other, I've looked at you know other um, types of of uh, you know known technologies that, that do this. And my analogy for this is like uh, you have um, like musical chairs. When the music's playing, if people are up and walking around, then somebody pulls out a chair. When the music stops, you have to sit down. Somebody misses out because one of the chairs is gone. And then the music plays and they're up and moving around again. If you use that analogy and say, well, this, this uh, energy field is in effect, that's, that's directing, you know, the, the, uh, the music, um, that the molecules kind of let go of each other. And when the music stops, they, they reconnect. But if while they're up moving around, floating around, if there's, uh, like, steel is made mostly of iron, but it has other things in there, like carbon, and it enhances its mechanical properties. It also enhances its resistance to environmental degradation. If uh, the music stops and the carbon doesn't get back to where it was, uh, then you have you could have pure iron on the surface. And if you look at the steel, it, yeah. it looks like it rusts instantly like iron was. You get an iron skillet in your sink and you scrub it with soap, you take all the grease out of it, walk away and come back, that thing's bright orange, like like, you know, just this uniform rust all over it. And there's a lot of the steel pipes that look like that, as well as some, some vehicles. It's just instant rust. And regular steel, like on cars, does not rust like that. So mm-hmm. that's another indication that something upset the molecular structure of the surface. Okay. <laughs> and, do- do- Dr. Wood, we actually have a um, we have a, a guest in the studio with us today. He's a uh, his name is 
Arkadiusz Jacek, he's a he's a mathematical physicist, uh, and just on your comment about um, kind of directed energy weapons and almost like that they were that they were informed or in, in some way to or you said they were changed. Like I mean, the idea being you know, that energy, to, to justify energy was directed. Energy was directed. Energy was directed. It, and instruct, call in it instructed way. energy weapons. In, instructed in some way to change to to do something to physical matter. Is right. that a very the, basic idea? The energy field, the energy field, but there's a whole lot of evidence that needs to go behind that before you can start, uh, you know, jumping into. You, you've kind of jumped ahead for some reason, uh, but if you look at, for example, the uh, the vehicles, you know, the toasted cars that were all over Manhattan, um, and they appeared to go into spontaneous combustion without either. They're way far away, you know, too far for for the burning material to be hitting them. And not you know the the sea of unburned paper in between. Also, okay. uh, it wasn't a thermal thing. So there's some type of energy effect. You see that you know after you, you you accumulate you know mountains of evidence to look at that. Yeah, I just but the reason I introduced Arcadius, uh, who's a physicist here with us, is because just to get his input on on that idea of from the point of view of theoretical physics, if that. Uh, that idea of a directed energy weapon uh, that was instructed here's, somewhere. Here's, is, here's well, what I would it, like to say that this is vitally important: well, is that okay. we saw we saw these steel beams falling and in, in turning into dust and midair, and they did not hit the ground. We have plenty of evidence from all different sources and different ways that establish that that the steel, as it was falling, turned into dust in midair. Much, much of it. I'm not saying every speck of it, but the majority of it did. Yeah. And do you do you agree with that? We do. The, 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 what I'm trying to do <laughs> here, if, if you give me a moment, what what I'm trying to do here is 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 ask uh, Arcadius for uh, his opinion on on the uh, this, the, the, this the possibility of the, on the basic idea of of a directed energy weapon. That's all I want to do. And I think he, he might provide some uh, corroborating well, well, evidence. You know, here's something that I would like to to finish the saying is do you agree that the majority of the of the building turned to dust in midair absolutely uh, absolutely okay all right I you, you agree you agree now hang on hang on there's, there's a second part of that question there's you're a second part of that question go what? ahead go the ahead the second part of that question is does there exist a technology that can do that that that's the question i want yeah. to ask him oh you're saying something impossible happened that what happened Who? was impossible? The no, no, no. The fact that it happened is proof that it happened. Dr. Wood, you're preaching to the choir. You don't have right, to. We, 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 we believe you here. We, 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 we agree. And, and the reason what, what, bringing all, it, what I'm responding to is the people who say, you don't have any proof of this weapon. The proof of the weapon is. I'm trying. I'm trying. At the moment, I'm trying to give our resident physicist theoretical physicist, an opportunity to provide perhaps some corroborating evidence for for what you're saying at that that level of directed energy. Can you hold on for a second and let him speak? Right, but I I would like to finish that point, is that the the fact that the the, the, uh, building is turning into dust in midair, that is observable to anyone. We see that. That is proof that 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 make it do that exists. Okay, and I want I want now our physicists to maybe uh, to pitch in on the the actual 
uh, evidence in the theor- world of theoretical phys- physics for, for, for that kind of a weapon existing. So, Ark. Yes, yes, yes. Hello. Hi, Judy. Uh, you said in your book that what you provide, the hypothesis, is a, is a suggestion, right? The what? Uh, it's a suggestion. What I is mean, a suggestion? Oh, that this is this effect or another effect we don't really know, right? Uh, you call it no, this this isn't a suggestion that the building turned into dust in midair. No, that's no. that's pretty well established with right empirical evidence. No, so that energy. is that is true. You use the term energy. How do you know it was energy and not information weapon? At it, the level it, of quantum information. It wasn't a kinetic energy molecules. weapon. Hmm? It wasn't a kinetic energy. And oh, by the How way, you in, know? the way I define directed energy is energy that's directed and used as a weapon. And that How also do you know includes it's energy. How do you know on, it was that also, energy? That also includes antimatter. I mean, I, I, it's a very general category: directed energy. It's non-contact. It doesn't destroy the building with heat. It doesn't, you know, the building wasn't pounded to death, nor was it cooked to death. Where is the energy? How do you know it's energy and not information? Some kind of quantum on the quantum level. Energy is manipulated within the material to do something differently than it normally does. How do you know it's energy being manipulated and not not just uh, molecular bonding? And for well, nuclear that, bonding is an energy. Well, nuclear bonding not, is an energy. No, 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 no. And molecular bonding, uh, you define as energy, but in fact, it's right. Uh, that's right. That's right. It's a type of energy, and you're instructing that energy to do something differently than it uh, normally you does. Instruct, you see. So it's an information. That's what I, what I was saying before. You can say instructed energy weapon. You know, that's what I mean by directed energy. It's energy that's directed or instructed. All you know, right. It's directed. Energy that's directed and okay. used as a weapon. That is so, in my book, if you, yeah. if you look in the back. And I also yeah, yeah, divide yeah, it into, into hot, uh, you know, direct energy weapons and there's cold direct energy weapons, or sea-do. And if you want to get particular about this, uh, you know, you can, this is some sort of a sea-do. It's a cold now, direct energy weapon. It doesn't. All right, act- all right. You call it directed now, but it was not very precisely directed because some cars were destroyed and some other nearby were not. Right. Part of the effect. It, that is part of the effect. It isn't. Uh, this isn't a point and shoot like a laser beam deal. Right. Um, this, this is a field effect thing, and it has to do with the interference of different types of fields, from what I can okay. tell. And and as the parallel evidence shows in the book, I show parallel evidence to this. Okay, right. But we are not on. Uh, we are not sure that it's also electromagnetic effect, right? We don't know what. Right. It it's, it's, right. It it. I can see. You know how we can produce parallel evidence. I've demonstrated that in a lot of different ways. Uh, you, you look at the action of tornadoes. Tornado, right. There's a lot of similarities with here. Levitation. You know, I showed in my presentations the videos from a year ago where those trucks over uh, Dallas-Fort Worth was, were elevated. They were, they were levitated. They were you know, flying trucks uh, you know, 700 feet off the ground. 
Yet when they crash land, they didn't get totally, you know, smashed to smithereens. Um, and people who have been picked up by tornadoes, they can still breathe. There's something else going on with the, with the tornadoes. It's a different type of energy field. And uh, as for people who, you know, claim that you need to calculate, you know, how much energy requires, well, what kind of energy? You, you have to make an assumption then. But to know that a tornado, you know, destroyed a large portion of Topeka, Kansas in the late 60s, do you, do you need to calculate how much energy is possible to know if that tornado really did destroy those buildings? No, tornadoes, you know, that they do it because you saw it, you got done. You need to make no assumptions then. It's just direct observation. So that okay. we can see that, that type of evidence. We can also see, you know, the work of John Hutchison, the work of George Piggott, the work of, of Thomas Townsend Brown, and, of course, the work of uh, Nikola Tesla. But the, the people who are in books who are no longer mm-hmm. around, we're having to rely on these stories in books. That's what I, I refer to it as. But yeah, John Hutchison is, lives in the here and now, and I can go to his lab and, and have him demonstrate in front of me. Which right. I did. These are the effects that we that we know about, but there are probably many more effects that we don't know about, right? Right, right. But but I've seen how this parallel evidence is is produced, and you know when I came upon that, it was it was pretty amazing. I'd already you know tabulated all of the different uh, pieces of evidence, and I, I didn't feel compelled to to say it was this, it was this, you know, this is how it happened, how it was done. No, I just said, this, these are all the things okay. I was noticing. And, okay. and then I, when I came upon the Hudson effect, I realized, you know, it, when I came upon John Hudson's blog, I realized, wait a minute, these are all of the same effects. How interesting. How does he do it? Let's go all see right. what he does. You know, that's, and so this, I'm not saying that that is what did this. I'm saying this is parallel evidence. And actually, George Piggott, who's no longer with us, and he, he got a patent on this, that same type of thing. And uh, it, was, it was awarded in uh, 1911, radiant uh, electrical energy, where he was levitating things using a static field and something else. Um, but it's, so it's these things that we're just not taught in our books, but that exist if you observe it. Like, you know, especially tornadoes. People can also can feel a storm coming because they feel a change in in the environment. In the air. Judy, 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 yeah. I want to I want to make another comment about what you wrote in your book. Okay, as a scientist, as a physicist, uh, you wrote that this is a kind of energy or phenomenon that can be used for as a weapon, or it can be used for the Good for good, right? Exactly. Now, but uh, I am not so sure that we can have full control over these things, and that it really can be used for good. I am not sure that whoever did it has a full control, and I don't know the price for that. Maybe the price is so high that it cannot be repeated. What would you say? What, what I say is that, uh, you know, it, we know this weapon exists because we saw that it was used. We saw the results, so we know it exists. And if that exists and, and we, we keep our mouths shut and don't say anything about it, it's going to be used again and, and perhaps, you know, do worse things. So we're not making the world any safer by not talking about it. Well, but it depends on the price, it, right? In the, but, it depends on the price. Well, it, it exists. It's good. It, somebody has this weapon. 
And that's, and uh, it's one person doesn't ha- have it, another person will have it. You know, it's it, this weapon already exists. The cat's out of the bag. You know, what but this is now? not like Kalashnikov that you go to the store and buy for you know hundred dollars. It may uh, such a su- such a thing to arrange such a thing may cost more than the uh, 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 the biggest nation can afford, right? Here's uh, but, but it exists. It exists. That's the fact. Yeah, now, but there's it may be not. Out in the, there's something else I point out in the book, and it's something that I, I've been really like intrigued about with both Nikola Tesla and uh, Ed Leedskounen, who built Coral Castle. Uh, one grew up in Serbia, and the other one grew up in Latvia. You kind of, you know, some of the areas of the, of the world. Judy, uh, Judy, but, Big Bang. No, Big Bang happened, right? May I, may I finish? This this important piece of information. There's something in common with both of these people, like Ed Leedskeld, who built Coral Castle, lifting these 15-ton stones by himself with his little, you know, rinky-dink chain, because he's, you know, he would, did something very interesting that he wouldn't show anybody. And why would he do it in secrecy? You know, he'd be working at night, and if anyone looked, he'd stop working. And I believe the reason why he did that is because people need to earn the right to this technology. Once they, if if you grow up an entire generation understanding what this can do, only then can you use it. Now it's like guns; you don't leave the gun cabinet unlocked unless everybody in the family knows what guns can do. And so, if you grow up a generation understanding what it can do, then you you're on on your road to being able to perhaps develop a different type of civilization that can have respect for this technology and use it for good. I'm not saying use it, it happens overnight, but understanding what it can do, understanding what it did on 9-11 is vital. It's, it's, if everyone, also, if everyone knows that, you know, what happened, there's, there's, there's no secret anymore. And so if it's used again, people can point and say, aha, you know, that person's confessing. They, they have that gizmo. Let's go get them, you know, whatever the, you know, the response would be. But it would be recognizable. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I understand both point of view. Clearly, uh, Dr. Wood has one point. We saw the effects of this unknown technology. And actually, it's kind of historic moment from a scientific point of view, because for the first time in the history of humanity, we saw the display, the effect of this uh, unknown technology. Now, will it be used? Will it be used again? When will it be used? Will it be used for good, for bad? I guess the future is open, and uh, we will see. But but educating the public as to how to recognize it true. keeps it safer than than not doing so. Definitely, and uh, same time, yeah, you kill two birds with one stone because at the same time you show that the current uh, mainstream theory and the current uh, uh, alternative theories uh, are not the, the truth. Uh, they don't uh, fit with yeah, the facts that's, and, that's uh, and the evidence. My, yeah, that's not so much my objective. That's you know, it, it, it's sort of like a. Um, as, as I often put it, that if you don't like the lie behind door number two, n- number one, they'll give you a lie behind door number two. If you don't like that, they'll give you a lie behind door number three. Anything to keep you from looking yeah. at the open field behind you with all the evidence that shows you exactly what happened. And to, it's also um, part of my uh, motivation is to educate people how to think through things rather than uh, well, it's this, it's this, you know, this person says this, and this person says this. Oh, I guess we'll never figure out what happened. I have no idea how to figure something out. 
you know, like like uh, what I say about Sandy Hook is you know, know what you know that you know. Well, you know nothing about it. You can't solve it. Move on. Don't don't start theorizing, hypothesizing, speculating, and arguing about uh, you know opinions of whatever because it, it's useless. It's important to be able to first determine what happened before you can go anywhere else. Because if you go anywhere else, you're assuming what the problem is, and you're solving an imaginary problem. Okay, can we get can we get into some more of the actual details that are in sure. the book of of the evidence for you know that 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 what happened is so far from the official story as to be just ridiculous. The high strangeness, can I call it high strangeness? Yeah. The high strangeness aspect well, of it. Something that struck me was that uh, Wood has collected a number of eyewitness uh, statements where people describe being being lifted up at the moment or just before the collapse and apparently flung a whole block or so and yet right. more or less or the, walking, up and, walking up and getting away without a scratch. It, there are a few well, stories that, about that going on injured but the, there's the BMT who uh who uh floated down a flight of stairs and you know with her world view of things you know how could she levitate and float down the stairs so she decided god must have she must have died and god carried her down the stairs cuz she's trying to you know she an answer to her question about why she floated down the stairs but you do see many things like that and the the biggest tell of that type of thing was um you know why are the cars parked upside down the leaves are still yeah. on the trees. It wasn't a horrendous wind. And there's one uh, fellow who, when WTC2 was, was coming apart, he, he dove under uh, an emergency vehicle. Um, and then, you know, everything went black, and he thought he was buried in a tunnel or something. And then uh, eventually the sunlight came in, and the sunlight came in. There was no vehicle on top of him. He had no idea where the vehicle went. He didn't know if it if it uh, blew off of him or flew up. or He had no idea where it went. It was gone. Got- God did it. And maybe right, uh, right. something strange also is that we won't call it the smoke because it suggests strongly notion of heat and fire, but uh, let's call it fumes. Uh, can you talk a bit more about those fumes that go, that don't follow the direction of the wind, that last for literally weeks, that only uh, 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 go up from years. one side of the building? Uh, yeah, um, oh, oh, the ones that they came out of, yeah, one side, one side only. Yeah. Um, I I use the term lather because it's it's yeah, opaque. Lather, yeah. You can't see through it. It's just that's you know my term, my sort of like um, placeholder. If you don't know what the phenomenon is, don't uh, don't give it a name of a known phenomenon because yeah. you're misleading. So I give it. You nobody's going to mix this up with uh, you know shower lather. Um, but uh, you get this opaque stuff coming out, and I put that as, as separate from initially separate from um, Alka-Seltzer. So, you know, when the steel beams are falling, this, this opaque dust is you know flowing off of them, where this stuff's obviously coming apart. I, I think it's the same thing, the same phenomenon that the buildings are standing still and they're loud yeah. enough. They're they're, they're Alka-Seltzering. Yeah, a it's lot almost of like pouring off of them. It's almost like they were being dissolved in the solution. I mean, there's right, it, this. Yeah. Go ahead. It, as I've said about like Alka-Seltzer tablets, they're a rigid object as long as they're dry. But you change their environment, you put them in water, they effervesce and dissolve. Well, steel is in its normal environment is rigid and a solid. You change its environment, it effervesces and dissolves. So we need to figure out 
you know, what about its environment did that to it? So some, some environmental change that caused that to happen. And uh, as, as I, you know, when I introduce some of these images to in my presentations, I give people this mental exercise to help them see that's not just a little bit of dust blowing off <laughs> the steel beam. So, okay, say you're going to impersonate the steel beam, this one in the picture. So what do you do? You jump off the, you cover yourself with dust, jump off the top of the building. Okay, people from the ground looking up, do they see that kind of dust trailing off you? No, the dust is blown off and gone immediately. Okay, so you take a couple armloads of bags of flour, and as you jump off, you're heaving that flour out as fast as you can. You're going to run out of flour pretty fast and still not be able to produce an opaque dust trail. So yeah. pretty soon you come to realize that steel beam must be frothing up into dust and turning to dust. And then, right, you look at the ground where, where it was head, headed towards and you see no solid steel beams on the ground. Okay, I have a question, actually, um, that interests me. Because I'm, I'm not a scientist, is, is the problem. That I, I can't really evaluate the evidence you know, very directly because, of course, I don't have the scientific training. But I do have a curiosity. Now, in your presentation, you talked about, I think it was Hurricane Aaron was mm-hmm. off the coast of New York. And you also mm-hmm. talk about the tornadoes in various areas, and you showed some videos in your presentation of, like, tractor-trailer trucks flying through the air as if they were, you know, paper, and then landing and rolling and stuff like that. So it was very interesting. And I just wanted to ask, is it possible that the hurricane was actually because in, in your um in your presentation you you indicate perhaps that the hurricane may have been deflected or had some sort of interaction with it but would it be possible that the hurricane was an integral component of the situation i mean if you're talking about like when, when a tornado or, or a hurricane goes through weird stuff happens i'm from florida i've you know boards exactly. go through trees weird right. stuff happens in a hurricane right so is it possible that the hurricane was in some way actually a part of the process? That it wasn't that somebody has a gun and they stood up on a building and pointed it, but that the presence of the hurricane was essential to the situation? Exactly. I, I look at uh, you know what I know, parallel evidence. You know, I I also know the limit of what I know that I know that I know, and anything beyond that is speculation, and I don't like to go there. It's okay to step aside into a parallel box and, and, and test an idea, but not to mix that in with, with the exact scenario. But what I do know is is that um, the hurricane was aimed straight for New York City for four days, and then they knew it was going to turn out at some point because of the high-pressure system coming. And they uh, it, you know did these text messages that on day one they thought it was going to turn around, didn't. They thought on day two it was going to turn around, didn't. They thought on day three it was going to turn around, it didn't. They thought it was going to turn around on day four, it's a good thing it did because it was right, you know, right outside. It didn't have any more leeway there. And it was actually raining um, in Cape Cod then from the outer bands. But what was so strange about it is that the the very uh, underreporting of it. It was just, yeah. you know, people didn't realize it was there. And also this high-pressure system met up and did battle with the, the, the two weather systems Right at you know the, the maximum pressure, this high pressure system as it moves in, you can see the pressure at JFK Airport going up, and then it, it immediately starts going down. So you can tell the two systems that were mixing at that point, you know, and, and doing battle with each other. And that was coincidentally 10 a.m. on 9/11. <laughs> you know, with the yeah. peak of that uh, that pressure uh, chart. But so this is a fact. It, it, keeping separate, 
But it was so puzzling that how could they be absolutely sure that this hurricane was going to turn around when it did at the last minute uh, to the point that they didn't even warn people of, you know, like uh, when Hurricane Rita was going towards Houston, they gave a, a certain time of voluntary evacuation, then it became mandatory. You know, it, it, like Hurricane Bill that was heading towards New York City a few years ago, they were suggesting, you know, a voluntary evacuation. And uh, Hurricane Irene, I think that become mandatory, but, they, you know, if, if they don't know, they, they give people warning because you can't evacuate millions of people from Manhattan in one hour. So it, it, or two hours. So that was, you know, drew my attention. So I won't make the last step and say I know it was controlled, but I, what I will say is it seems that they were absolutely 100% sure they knew it was not going to be, you know, making landfall or doing anything. But they did, well, and I believe. Well, that I wasn't suggesting that it was controlled. I was wondering if maybe something was harnessed about it. Oh, yeah. So, But we do know that, that, you know, so I looked at what hurricanes can do. By the way, I think they closed um, Atlantic Beach, Atlantic City Beach, because of the undertow from the storm. They took various uh, uh, battleships out to sea so they wouldn't get beat up against the docks. But but anyway, um, ahead of of a storm system, there's... A type of energy field that, and often people with arthritis say they can feel a storm coming because yes. they feel that change. It's not just the pressure change; it's some electricity in the air. And when I go, it's interesting when I fly out to Seattle, and the plane's landing, I start feeling really good. Man, when I go, it just feels so good. It's like home again. You feel elated. And I have a feeling it has something to do with the weather systems there. That there's a lot of ionic, you know. Uh, exchange, but but um, you know, I'm not talking about the cloud cover issue, but the the electrical uh, feeling. Why people feel good next to waterfalls? Yeah. So think of the uh, structure of a Tesla coil. You have this wrap around the stem, then you have this toroid wrap around the top. If you look at how a tornado, I mean, a, well, I have a tornado, but how a um, a hurricane is, you know, the anatomy of that, it's very similar. And you can easily see that you know, if water is going around, if a very moist air is going around in there, you could have conductivity. So mm-hmm. it's it's like a supersized Tesla coil that's going to create a static field. And then I looked at the the uh, reports of the various airports, major airports surrounding Manhattan, Newark Airport, JFK Airport, and LaGuardia Airport, all reported thunder on 9/11. Mm-hmm. Electric discharge. So and that comes ahead of a, a storm. Um, when Hurricane Wilma was hitting the Yucatan Peninsula, uh, I remember I was talking to my students one morning. I, you know, there's a lot of hurricanes that year, and I put pictures of them on my desktop of my computer for the PowerPoint presentations. Just had there, just out of uh, you know chit chat before class starts. And I said, oh, I think this thing's going to make a, a you know right angle turn and, and go back and hit Fort Myers, Florida. They said, Well, how do you know that? Because they say it's going to go up towards New Orleans. And I said, ah, I read this morning that the birds left town. <laughs> so, uh, here's, yeah. a, here's another thing. And if, if birds leave town, uh, they know the storm's coming <laughs> that way. So uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to ask about was uh, in your presentation, you talked about that there were measurable fluctuations in the Earth's magnetic field or something like that, that there was some sort of 
magnetic field problem that there were spikes or dips or something like that on right. at the time of the fall that lasted for for the time of the fall that were that were that were grotesquely curious they were they were out of proportion to anything you were seeing normally well, everything's that, going along and then boom they weren't so, necessarily out of proportion but they were all uh doing it at the same time right you know the, the, for like uh, three or four days beforehand you know, I, you can see this, they're averaging within certain bounds. And about 20 right. minutes before the North Tower got its hole, the first event right. of the day, uh, you see them all trending down. They're all all and, six of them trending down. And, and you know, precisely when the North Tower gets its hole, they start trending back up. And precisely okay, well, when the South Tower gets its hole. How often is that seen? How often is that seen? Is that something well, that's seen? You, you see, uh, you know, various anomalous signals, you know, quite frequently. Yeah, okay. But so the, the fact that we have five events that day, at all five uh, of them, there was abrupt changes. Mm-hmm. At, at you know at, at the precise time, actually, the NIST report, uh, the um, uh, Palisades uh, Seismographic Station, and uh, the 9/11 Commission report all give different uh, times, you know, exact times for when the North Tower got its hole. And I, I like to joke and say I can tell you which one's right <laughs> based on the yeah. the, um, mm-hmm. the magnetic field because right. that actually uh, it falls right in that cluster of those three times that are given. They're all within so, like, I think thirty seconds. So, so Doctor Wood, I appreciate that m- my questions are not you know completely one hundred percent scientific. So I mean I hope that you'll you'll forgive me for mm-hmm. that because I'm not. A well, scientist. you forgive me for for uh, you know getting getting you on track. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I love the presentation. I thought it was great. I thought it was kind of a little bit strange. You keep having problems with clickers, and I thought that there was maybe a conspiracy behind that. But, you know, in the, in the video, you know, halfway through your, your presentation, the clicker fails, and and then that happens on a, on a second presentation as well, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, is that something that happens well, to you also, a lot? Uh, I don't know which uh, uh, which one you're, you're speaking of. There's, there's, there's a video um, on your site. Of your presentation, yeah, the, oh, the latest that one was the, from site. the energy conference. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah that yeah. one. Uh, they also, some of the videos didn't actually run, and they inserted some. They, they, uh, yeah, you know, you know, things were uh, not quite the same. But they did an excellent job overall of of uh, the editing. It was great, actually. Uh, it was a very, very compelling video. So I have, I have one last question, and this one is a little bit. It's kind of a some thought that that occurs to me. Um, why haven't they used this particular method again? Now, I'm not saying that they should be like using it every day, but let's okay. just how, how let's do you know for, they have it? You, you've assumed right. they have it. How do you know that? Right, right, right. Well, I don't. Okay, so I, I'm not. I'm not assuming. Uh, hold on, we're not. We're not assuming anything. We're just. We're just saying. Okay, uh, have we seen evidence of it being used again? Okay, that that's a valid question. So yes, if if, yes, you, if you know yes. of evidence of of, of them doing yeah. it again. I, I haven't um, studied other events as strictly, but there's events that I'm very suspicious of that point in that direction very strongly. For example, you name Oklahoma them? City. Yeah, Oklahoma City. You've got these uh, cylindrical cutouts in the building look, you know, uh, virtually identical to the ones of Building Six. And I I show this on the front page of my website. I say history repeats. I think with a question mark. And, and the only, you know, I, can you tell the difference? And I give you a hint that uh, only one of them has wheat checks at the bottom. <laughs> You know, it, and also one of them's nine stories tall, and one of them's eight stories tall. But you get the same pattern where the there's these cylindrical cutouts. Now, a bomb down there on the on the road, 
making no divot in the road and making cylindrical cutouts in the building. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it's. I think I think any any reasonable person who has looked at the Oklahoma City bombing is pretty convinced that it was not a truck sitting out front on the street, um, right. considering the fact that the. But in that sense, the, uh, you know. If you see the image from the from the roof of uh, the mirror building, you see these yeah. distinct, you know, scallops. Yeah. And also, I have on my uh, website in in part of my uh, response to when I was gathering my data together, my response to NIST, and when they're saying, um, you know, they're saying, well, you need to show evidence that that uh, you know, ARA is a manufacturer developer of energy weapons, and I showed a short course that they had advertised on the website. It looked like a, a model of that exact thing with the scallop. So, so, so even 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 considering Oklahoma City, I'm afraid uh, Oklahoma City, I'm I'm afraid that my question still kind of stands. I mean, because it seems to be a rather a what, rather do you, what do you perfect, what do you mean? My question you, is, is 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 why don't they use it more often? Right? I mean, well, it, it, it should be kind of like the the go to the go to weapon. You know, well, for what? I mean, what's the purpose? What's the objective? You got to figure out what their objective is. To know right, not, but uh, again, uh, you know, there we're having again the problem of you're you're coming into like the conspiracies that you you're always saying. You know, hold on, let's not go but, there. Let's figure out what happens. But, but, but you're asking what the happens question of why why how. they haven't used it. You, you have to ask why asking, they haven't I used question. it. Why? Yeah, you have to ask why they haven't used it. That requires knowing what the job is that they they're assigned no, to do. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because okay, if a policeman has a gun, he fires it a lot of times. People fire guns all the time because a gun is a very optimized weapon for killing people. If that's what you want to do, but, but right? Gun, forgetting about the Hang on, forgetting about that is also used to start a to start a bike race. Yes, exactly. So they're used a lot, right? You know, I mean, when you have it, it's like this utilitarian thing, right? Right. Just so because you, you have a gun doesn't mean you have to use it for the same thing. So you need to know. No, what, no, no. You don't. You don't. You don't. But okay, so if you have evidence that this is being used all the time, okay, I'm totally interested in that evidence. But I'm just saying that Wait, I haven't seen that we it's being used. We still have this problem. You are you are assuming a, a different what assuming. problem are you trying to solve? You are I'm just assuming. asking the question. I'm asking the question of why don't we see buildings coming down like the twin towers in terrorist attacks more often? I mean, you'd see you'd yes. think that it, if this why, weapon why existed, would you you know, why, why does that? You know, why is that required? Why is that the objective? The because object, be you got to first determine what the objective is before you can you can determine if that is appropriate. Well, okay. You know, if, if it, is this the right weapon for the job? Well, you got to know what the job is that needs to get done. You know, a, yeah, for, for example, I, I for example, a... you know, for example, in the Middle East, let's let's just we're off the parallel world here. We, we can speculate in this parallel world. Yeah. Looking at an example, because that's what you're doing, you're speculating. We're, let's speculate, uh, you know, the objective is just to wreak havoc all over the Middle East and just have everybody fight with everybody, just keep everything all in turmoil and stir it up. You wouldn't want a nice, clean weapon that, that cleanly, boom, takes out something. No, that, that's, that's counter, uh, you know, productive if you want to just wreak havoc. So, like, in, in Manhattan, it was a very uh, surgical destruction. If you wanted to wreak havoc in New York City, you would tip the building over. And take out all of Manhattan, which mm-hmm. wouldn't happen. So your objective matters, and whether or not that's what you would want to use. Mm-hmm. Also, right. the more that it, it's used, the more it might get found out. Yeah, true. The, you know, uh, the cat uh, would be out of the bag more loudly. Yeah, good point. That's true, Doctor Woody. If you if you want, we're going to go back to observation because you're 
your book is really packed with uh, with observation, with evidence, and um, often the people who agree with the uh, controlled demolition theory mentioned those uh, explosions, successive explosions, and you have some uh, interesting, uh, um, an interesting analysis, some interesting observation about this point. So how could it be uh, explained? Those, that, uh, uh, explosions? Well, I don't look to explain it away. I look at what I have evidence of. There's evidence yeah. of people talking about hearing explosions. They don't see a bomb. True. There was no evidence of anyone who saw a bomb explode. They hear things go boom. Well, we know that bombs go boom, but we also know that everything that goes boom is not a bomb. You know, you microwave oven. You put egg in there, it goes boom. It doesn't mean somebody put a bomb in it. So whatever is happening, you know, it it appears that uh, hearing booms is part of it. Well, if you're going to be dustifying the entire building, you can have at least uh, above a certain level, you can have pressure vessels in there. When the walls mm-hmm. of those pressure vessels is weakened, at some point it can no longer hold the pressure and it's going to go boom. Like a balloon. Yeah. You know, if you start to, uh, uh, you put some, let's see, what kind of material is good for for uh, deteriorating uh, the rubber on a balloon? You put that, set the balloon on it, at some point it's going to rupture that balloon. It's going to go pop. It's going to go bang. That doesn't mean a bomb went bang. Like to oxygen tanks. Balloon. And the oxygen right, tanks carried by firemen? Yeah, the, um, the, there's the observations that were identified as what went boom are at ground level. Uh, there were, yeah, extra air tanks. Like the um, firefighters wear air tanks so they can breathe clean air when they're fighting fires. Uh-huh. And they're called Scott tanks. And there's quite a few um, uh, observations of Scott tanks exploding or letting go and going boom. And they were, in, you know, sitting on fire trucks at ground level or in ambulances. And um, so that's that's one thing we can identify that went boom. So that shows that pressure vessels were going boom. Yeah, and that would explain the reports from uh, witnesses saying they heard explosions. And it doesn't mean that's necessarily explosive planted in the building. And another um, uh, quote-unquote evidence uh brought by uh, defenders of the controlled demolition theory that uh, uh, there were traces of nanothermite in the robots. Actually, it's the, the correct phrasing is traces of thermitic material. Can you tell us more about it? Oh, I don't, I don't the observation? agree that, it, that there was thermitic material there because what thermitic material is, is uh, with, uh, powdered aluminum and, and iron oxide. And, uh, and the buildings were made of uh, steel and uh, uh, therefore iron and aluminum. Right. So if you if you dustify the you know the building, which we saw what was happening, you dustify aluminum, you dustify in and also uh, the um, you have molecular dissociation of the steel, which so you have the carbon out of it. You just have the iron. You get little uh, specks of iron. They're going to instantly rust in atmospheric conditions. So you're going to have iron oxide. So what you would expect to find the dust is aluminum powder and iron oxide. That is what they're calling thermitic material. Yeah. And it's sort of like they're just diverting people away from the fact that the buildings turn to dust. Okay. Exactly. They, yeah, they absolutely did. Doctor, we have if, a call here. If, we, if, thermite, call. if thermite had been used, the, the towers would look like a glowing sparkle. I could play my, my uh, recording again about blinded by the light. <laughs> and that didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. We have a call here. We're going to take it uh, to see if we have an, uh, an interesting question for you. Okay. Hi, caller. What's Hello? your name and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Corey. I'm calling from Iowa. 
Hi, Corey. Welcome, Corey. Hey, I, I actually had a really quick question for Art. Uh, a while yes. back, he had said something about the uh, the cost associated with using this weapon, and I was wondering if he was referring to just the financial costs of putting something like this together, or if he was uh, talking about something else. Okay, well, let Art answer that one. Thank you. Was that was that it? Well, my answer will be short. Uh, there are uh, financial costs and political costs. Okay. It could be both. That is also human cost. I mean, you could like, whoops, destroy the planet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I, I was I was actually wondering if it was more along the lines of opening a time-space continuum type thing. Oh, you, know, well, you never know. My mind. <laughs> yeah, you never Thank know. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Corey. You never know because, I mean, are they well, tinkering with forces they don't really understand? Well, you know. Well, they seem to understand them pretty well in 9 11. Uh -huh. We're talking about some uh, kind not, of. Not entirely. Not entirely. There was there's, uh, something that really gave me the creeps that night I uh, came upon John Hutchison's work. I started reading about it because I thought, whoa, these are all the same phenomena. And there's a, a phenomenon that was not seen by most people is uh, that this comment about the Hutchison effect is if there's, you know, the more mass involved, the less likelihood it is to be self-quenching. That really got to me because that is what I noticed in the evidence, the fact that it was ongoing. It didn't stop. It, you know, gradually wound down, but it was an ongoing thing that, you know, it went for years. It went for, for days, weeks, months. There's pictures into, uh, it was end of October where you have these, looks like uh, fuzz coming out of the ground through wet dirt. And it, it you know, the stories of um, fires for 99 days, that was a good cover for why you had this fuming coming up. The fuming mm -hmm. diminished, but it still kept coming up. And uh, you, you think about why they had to build uh, fountains on the water fountains on the foundation. Kind of brings up some other questions about uh, why they, you know, <laughs> just, and other, other uh, sites where they've uh, built water fountains. Yeah, um, but we can speculate here that uh, this justification process, the one who who manage it, who use it, are not necessarily able to study the this specific time, and more importantly, they're not necessarily able to stop it totally at another specific time. It's an ongoing right. process that you and, kind of break this easily. There's another piece of uh, data that come, came to mind was when they tested the first atomic bomb, the folks who decided to go forward with the test knew that the scientists did not know if it would be self-quenching. In other words, would they would they uh, destroy the planet? Yeah, I mean, wow, they are playing with. Well, they're not playing with fire; they're and, playing with. And they with... still went forward with that. So, you know, humans uh, who are you know power hungry, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, you know, would would indeed go forward with something, not knowing if it was self quenching or not, hmm. or the uh, the length of, of it. And Doctor, would you just say they? Can they, we? Whoever they are, the crew. Do, I, I do, refer to the do, crew. Do you, at any point, publicly speculate on the they? No, and I don't think we can get there from here. We, I, I know who knows, and they were defendants in my court case, which is probably why uh, the uh, Court of Appeals, uh, you know, uh, denied the case going forward, even stating in their written decision, very respectfully, that they were ignoring the law to dismiss the case. Hmm. Yeah, they had to. Uh, be, Right, because if if I have uh, as as my defendant people who, uh, you know, almost surely 
know who did it. Because their uh, area of expertise is um, energy weapons. So they not only know, also they had a contract with, and still do, with the U.S. government to know everything about any weapon of mass destruction is, is being developed or has been developed anywhere. So not only do they know, you know, recognize what kind of weapon it is, they probably know whose weapon it was, you know, what fingerprints. Mm -hmm. And so if you put that person under oath, uh, you can't do that in, uh, you know, open court. So you can't hold it behind closed doors without letting the cat out of the bag as to why you're holding it behind closed doors. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's somebody's, it, so that's about the closest we could have gotten. I don't know, uh, you know, who did it, but I know who likely knows who, get, who did it. Um, that's as close as I can get. But I, I can also see various scenarios when people say, oh, it's the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. I, I tend not to think so because it, it's too large of a mess. That doesn't mean somebody doesn't have a gun to their head to tell them to, you know, behave this way yeah, or that way. Saying the U.S. Uh, government is a very broad description. I mean, it's not very right. specific. And, and uh, something I started saying, you know, nearly from the beginning, this scenario, and it seems to almost be coming true, I, you know, for an example, and people would need an example for, well, of course the U.S. government did it. it give an example of, you know, otherwise. And I said, okay, again, this is hypothetical. Uh, is uh, Let's say you're one of a handful of people that wants to uh, take over the U.S. government, take, take, take over the, the whole country. You don't mm -hmm. go in the front door because the U.S. military would come get you and you'd be done with. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you have this weapon or, or access to the weapon, you know, a gunpoint or whatever, and, and you dustify the towers and Pentagon or whatever, and then you start a truth movement going to get the, the country to destroy itself from within. You get the people to hate their government so badly they want any government but the one they have. Then you walk mm -hmm. in the front door and they welcome you with open arms. Piece well, yeah. of cake. And that Problem reaction. Like uh, it, it looks like it, it might actually be, uh, you know, <laughs> kind, of, kind of playing itself out here. But mm -hmm. people are just, you know, they, they're, they're so eager to blame the government, they don't look at why they've been let that and the, and the cost of that. Right. And the, the problem that people think is that there's no real, the government, I mean, was the Department of Transportation in on it, you know, type of thing? I mean, there's, the, the government is a huge thing. I mean, it, it's highly unlikely that, you know, a whole bunch of people were in on it, you know. I mean, yeah. so even um, those people who come along and say, "Oh, we need to get rid of the government," it's like actually that's a really bad idea. Be honest, because yeah, that's, no, that's, that's no what, government uh, has ever been this is wanting to do. Yeah, yeah. No it, government has ever been overthrown to the benefit of the people. Yeah, it's never happened. When when you say it, think of how destructive it's been, what do you mean? Well, since since nine eleven. Look! Look at how destructive our country is is been. I mean, yeah. it's really come apart from within. Although kind of consolidated consolidated the power of the government and the authorities, hasn't it? I mean, right. Given right. the carte blanche to, to to pass laws, restrictive laws, draconian laws. And and uh, that's another reason why I. I you know, have a problem with people who say, oh, the government did it. Of course the government did it. They, you know, get mad at the government, blame the government. And meanwhile, they're doing nothing but just getting riled up to get people riled up to, you know, uh, destroy their, their government. Mm -hmm. Rather than solving what the problem is. You remember? Determine what happened. you mm -hmm. got to define the problem before you can solve it. Absolutely. We agree. And, Dr. Wood, uh, we're going to go to a break and go to the last part of our show here and we're going to let you go and we're going to say thank you very much for for being on our show and for thank you very much for writing a, this book which is extremely 
that your book, uh, Where Did the Towers Go?, which is extremely informative, and as far as we're concerned, it is probably the best book in terms of, as you say, what happened, explaining what happened on 9-11. Yeah, so thank you, and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. I would like to, you know, add uh, why I've been, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of harsh about this, and you know, very hard nosed, is that how the book gets covered up is misinterpretations. Mis- mm-hmm. You know, people jump into, oh, she speculates this is, this is, uh, you know, how it was done, and this is how it was done, and they totally miss the point of this rigorous uh, avenue of beginning with determining what happens, and mm-hmm. that is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Think, think about Absolutely. what is going on. If you're misled into concluding how something was done before you know what was done, you're messing up. <laughs> so it, it's Absolutely. it's so important. But once you know what happened, then you know everything else. Absolutely, you can move from there. Go somewhere. Yep. Okay. Great. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doctor Wood. Take care. Thank you. Sure. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that segment of the show. Uh, we're going to, with our remaining time, which is kind of open to open to uh, time space continuum. Time, time space continuum, because uh, <laughs> we have we have a little bit of time to play with here. Um, we're going to go to a short break, and then we'll be back <clears throat> with a little bit more discussion on other aspects of 9/11. Um, so we hope you can join us and we're going to give you a little song here that you haven't heard before and we hope you all enjoy it. Yeah, we're going to be. Hang on a second. Go 
Okay, so we're back. We're back on. Okay, so in the next part of the show, we want to well, we want to look at some other aspects of nine eleven, particularly what took place at. Hello. Hello. Lisa. Hi. Hi, Lisa. How you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Sorry for the uh, chaotic uh, reintroduction there. We're just still uh, getting grips with how to work this whole show business and having two parts and having different guests on and stuff. But uh, That's all right. Huh? I said that's all right. Okay. Um, we uh, I know we kind of ran over there with uh, with uh, Judy Wood, uh, Lisa, um, but it's to be expected. But we, have, but we have time to play with because we have a three-hour show if we want to do a three-hour show. Uh, so we'll just run on for a little bit if that's okay with you. Okay. I um, Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're coming too. Fine, yeah. No okay, problem. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Okay, so we're going to give you a little introduction just for our listeners. Uh, okay. so, uh, we're just going to... So Let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah. Do you want me to leave the name Wing TV out of the whole thing, or what? Uh, no. Show. I, yeah, no, whatever, but actually we're on air right now. Oh, <laughs> okay. okay. So, no. so, the, so, so I the name is in... Cat out of the bag. bag, yeah. Sorry, well, because... Oh, we, we, but, yeah, we're just going to give you a quick introduction here. You know why I asked that? Because people have had a problem with me saying it So on other shows. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not going to have a problem with, with you saying anything on this show. Because it's uh, the second time it's come up. I mean, if somebody calls in, you know, why, are we so Nazi that we're going to be like, no, you can't mention your website on our show? No. No, of course you can. No. You know? I just thought I would give you the respect of asking. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. Thank we, you. We, we appreciate that. Anyway, yeah. Neil. Get to the introduction of Lisa there, just so people know who we're talking about. I'm sure that mm-hmm. most people know, but go ahead. Well, Lisa Giuliani has been talking about 9-11, trying to get people to wake the hell up for as long as I can remember. Um, she used to have her own radio show uh, called Wing TV, and she has written numerous articles. She's been really pushing the envelope on a lot of aspects of, 9- of 9-11 and what went down that frankly few, if any other people, are talking about. So we, we really value her input, and uh, that's why we want to talk. Yeah, and she's been, she's been writing some great articles for Sat.net. Of some course, of, yeah. yeah. Some of which, totally awesome. Some of which are kind of polemic, you know, in the sense that, oh. you know, we get some idiots on there who scream oh, and shout, yeah. and we generally, you know, we generally, generally defend Lisa to, to the last. Um but yeah, you're you're basically Lisa, a former internet-based political talk show host, political writer, researcher, activist, conscientious objector, and a known protester. And you're also a self-described thought provocateur. Thought provocateur. Have you been provoking many thoughts in people? Uh, any? Uh, you mentioned to me the the other day that uh, uh, you you tend to make some people's blood pressure. Spike, yes. Spike, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello. First of all, hello to everyone, and okay. I thank you for having me on. I'm not a scientist. No, not But uh, I've tried to uh, hone my common sense over the years, and I think that mm-hmm. is just as valuable as scientific training. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, for sure. We this part of the show is just going to basically be about the broader aspect of 9/11, but also there's something that I want to talk about. Uh, in terms of uh, Dr. Judy Wood's 
um, kind of angle on the situation mm-hmm. in the sense that um, saying that it was an inside job, for example, we're, we were pulled up on the inside oh, yeah. job, even the fact that we used it in the title of the show, the inside job was a no-no. And she has, I mean, and they're, they're probably going to complain about this, but on the, we have a little chat on the on the radio show, a live chat type of thing, and she had various followers there who were quite vociferous in their typing. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, you've got, about, you've got to understand, because she has been no, fairly attacked as well. Yes, like, yeah, I understand that. Exactly. But, 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 they were, but they were saying... She needs the role with her crew. I mean, uh, absolutely, but she was, say, she was saying that they that you're not allowed, they, and they were saying, you know, this <sighs> whole idea of saying that it was an inside job, that the government did it, is part of a cover-up, essentially. It's mm-hmm. part of cover, covering up. Um, and well, but, I'm not sure... It dep- the point about... The point about for, for me, the point about it is, is that you have to know your audience or you have to understand who it is you're trying to convince True. and what it is you're trying to convince them of. For a long time, based on my experience with people and trying to get people to understand certain things, the public at large, everything, I've had to tone down my expectations yeah. of what I could actually convey right. to people, you know? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And I and if I wanted to talk to them at all, unless I was just going to preach to the choir, if I wanted to talk to the people sitting on the fence or the people who might have a semi-half-open, 20% open mind type of thing or might even listen a little bit, that I needed to really not just – it's not about soft-selling the truth to them. It's about just understanding where they're at and what they're able, how far they're able to go. So for me, the idea of just – if I can only convince – if the only thing I can do is convince those people that their government is out to get them, yeah. <laughs> then – Fair enough. I'll do that. I'll take that over nothing. Right. I'll take that over the, the government well, getting its, its its little hands on I our mean, minds. Ju- Dr. Judy Wood is a scientist in, in the great you know tradition of, of Galileo and Velikovsky of people who spoke the truth to people who were not only not interested in the truth but were willing to you know to to, to really you know harm someone you know or, or trash them thrash them. I mean, and it's a the long tradition of, of scientists who 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 tell the truth and get trashed. And I think, in a certain sense, you know, she's a little bit naive with that because, I mean, uh, I I could put myself in a normal person's shoes, and what she says is still is still pretty, you know, conspiratorial in a certain sense. I mean, even though she keeps saying, "I'm not yeah. saying this," but by implication, she says it. I mean, you well, can't help but avoid the implication. A normal person infers if you're saying that it was a directed energy weapon, somebody had to fire it. Mm-hmm. You know, and she says things like they, and she's wait, I'm not going to comment on that, but mm-hmm. the act of saying not going to comment makes people think, oh, she thinks it's even worse than I thought, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's the truth. What do you think, well, Lisa? I, first of all, I tried very hard to follow the flow of conversation during the first hour, and it was rather difficult. And so right off the bat, I would like to offer the opportunity to Arcadius Yadchik if he wants to complete the thoughts he was trying to make, the points mm-hmm. he was trying to make, uh, the opportunity to do so because he is another great mind and he yeah. is scientifically trained and I do have respect and value his opinion. So I would like to offer however much time if he has anything else he wants to say. Well, he's actually he actually had enough. He left the room. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I th- well, but, but right, I think so get back to your it, thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I found that her. I wrote that down. I was trying to take notes and. The first one of the first things she mentioned was that uh, to call it an inside job, 9/11, an inside job, would be counterproductive. I have to tell you, with the many years I, I started looking into 9/11, two months after it happened, for almost two months 
before that, I believed the official version. Uh, to call it counterproductive, I've heard this out of the mouth of every disinformation artist and Internet troll since uh, I started looking into it. Uh, I, I, found, I find this suspicious because <laughs> I don't see how you could look at an event and not have any curiosity about who did it. Okay? Wow. And, and I've watched these similar, similar, these discussions have evolved, these scientific discussions. I appreciate them. I value them. I may not understand them at the level of a scientist. Okay? But I've watched them. They have one common thing about them over the years. They are circular. They go around and around. Mm -hmm. They don't really lead anywhere. And, and ultimately, I always find that I'm asking, what does this accomplish in the bigger picture? Right. We, we, we're made aware of these various weapons. Uh, we're made aware of the, you know, the energy involved and, and all the scientific equations necessary to compute all this stuff. And we have all kinds of competing theories as well as competing egos involved. And, you know, she talks about admissibility in court. Uh, she had a court case. I'd like to know, because, you know, many people have tried to bring the issue of 9-11 to court. We put out a book that presented uh, virtually, we took, we took uh, a book and made a, a direct examination of all the evidence that we had compiled from numerous sources, and uh, this, we were told by an attorney in New York who did a radio show, Lionel, that uh, this would make a great, this is the best direct examination of witnesses. We made every chapter of the book as if it were a witness, right? And uh, this would have been a great thing to take into a court if such a court existed. But as far as I can see, there is no compelling authority and there is no court in the United States of America that is going to take on a case like this. And who... If in the event anybody got, you know, the perps down to a T, name and everything, who's going to bring them to justice? Yeah. Who is? People have to dispense with that idea of there being justice. <laughs> yeah, yes, I don't think there's going to be justice. You know? All we can do, you know, is keep digging into information. New information, it, it's very hard for new information to come out. You know, we, we had some various hopes among all kinds of individuals over the year. I, over the years, I did. Uh, for example, the former Bush administration official, Morgan Reynolds, you know, uh, a group of credentialed people got together uh, a few years in, not as early as the first tier of 9-11 researchers, like Sot was one of the first tier researchers, you know, mm -hmm. and I was in there, you know, looking at it pretty early on too, but, and as were others, but you know, these, these credentialed people came on a few years after the fact, and they essentially kind of, I don't know, it sure, it sure seemed like that to the rest of us, uh, like they just wanted to disregard what research had been done before, and nobody's opinion seemed to count except the people with alphabet soup behind their name. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know. so they were disregarding other people's research, and only wanted people to look and consider as valuable their own research. And so when she says something, now I want to make sure I got this right, because she said, she was basically saying that the World Trade Center collapses, there's no evidence of it being a thermal situation, yeah, there was no thermal effect, like yeah, there were the, no hot the, the, spots. There wasn't enough heat to, to okay, completely but, and I want to ask you this. destroy it. 
NASA used an airborne visible infrared image spectrometer and recorded temperatures over 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface or so with they one say. spot. Huh? Or so they say. Well, listen, with one spot because, at the South Tower that recorded 1,377 degrees. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but then there is that, there's several pictures she has where there's these hot spots being shown, right. and then there's like a plastic cooler next to them. And, you know, they're saying that the, the steel toe boots are melting, but no one's saying anybody's toes got burned off. Mm. So, I mean, I do see that she's coming at She's saying, like, hold on a second, it doesn't add up. So I do agree with that. Well, well, maybe yeah, what about the witnesses? It, maybe that's a good point, Lisa, because Ark has just reentered the building. Okay. And you had, you wanted um, to give Ark, sure. or ask, ask Ark if he would expand, or give him an opportunity to expand on the little comments that you made about energy weapons and information, possibly. Okay. Uh, so we'll maybe let Arky, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Do you have anything more to say? on? Uh, what I want to say is that uh, I see no evidence that this, is, uh, this was uh, electromagnetic energy. Yes. I see no evidence that it was some kind of purely thermal energy. Uh, what I see is that... Uh, it was something that we do not know much about, and we are do not have full control over it. Mm -hmm. That's what I that. see. Absolutely, yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that something something went on uh, that nobody. I would stress the fact that evidently it's not fully controlled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe, Thank you, Ark. Uh, Ark, maybe you could expand a bit about. Uh, Information. How information is a uh, can structure matter? Can uh, explain what happened? Because for most uh, listeners, it may be not very clear. Information may be an essential factor in uh, in matter in uh, phenomenon we see every day, and in particular that we observe during 9/11. Well, information is a little bit uh, abstract concept for most people. But if I would say uh, it can affect very space-time structure at the micro level or even below, uh, that may be better. Including molecular bonding? Oh, of course, in particular. But, uh, but I don't think that uh, that's it because from the fact that we had unexpected uh, weather phenomena, uh, it follows that it's not localized effect, and it uh, distributes as a kind of, a, let me use it the way, uh, the, the word nonlinear mm -hmm. uh, way, chaotic. And when you see, think about cows, Chaos is uh, entropy. Chaos is destroying information. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's from a theoretical physics point of view. Yeah, quite abstract and quite general. I don't want to speculate. You don't want to speculate on any hard science basis for that, no. Right. There are too many speculations already. <laughs> too many speculations already. <laughs> well, on, on the one hand, that that's what Dr. Wood was stressing, you know, um, let's not speculate. But well, first, first we need all the evidence. But do we know? Does Doctor Wood know that she has all the evidence? Thank you. Well, from which to start <laughs> well, making 
Here's the a directed thing. weapons idea theory. There's a couple of problems with that. First of all, like in the situation with Sandy Hook, right? You're dealing with a situation where you, as a regular person, uh, don't have access to the. You're evidence. not. You're not privy to all the. You're data. not privy to the evidence in every situation. Now, with 9/11, there is uh, a lot of evidence mm-hmm. that's very big, and there there were collect samples collected and things like this. But me not having a scientific background, when Judy Wood says this happened and this happened, molecular bonds, I don't know anything about it. I can't. I can trust her as an authority, but then that's just me doing this, the same problem over and over again. Well, I would say that speculating about uh, nano weapons is uh, even worse. Yeah, yeah, but but I wanted to say is that you know, I mean, in a certain sense, like if you see a dead body that has holes in it, and then you see a person with bloody hands, but you don't see a murder weapon, you know, it's you're you're not necessarily making a big error if you say, did you kill that person? And arguing over the size yeah. of the knife yeah. and the type of knife, or was it an ice pick, that is relevant information in a court of law. Sure, but we're never going to get in a court of law. But if you see that person, right. I'm going to be like, I'm not leaving you alone with my wife because guess what? I think you just stabbed that person to death. And yeah, there's, a, there's room for intuition. I mean there's more to human experience you know? and human life than just pure hard science. And people have to live their lives without being – scientists themselves and, right. and being able to discern every single thing. And on the Sandy Hook th- thing, there's more to it. Like uh, Dr. Wood said that basically Sandy Hook, you don't have any evidence. So you don't, you don't, you don't, so, so basically don't go there. But hang on a minute. No. I personally, in terms of Sandy Hook, when I looked at it, I was able to put it into a historical context right. and, historical and look at evidence. it. And, Narrative evidence. Exactly. And I could draw a, what I think is a reasonable conclusion Based on that alone, without any access to the actual forensic evidence, I could right. come up with a reasonable, plausible scenario as to what actually because happened at Sandy Hill. Forensic evidence is not the only type of evidence in no, existence. No, it's very important. No, and look at, in the look at how many it, people have been – I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Look at how many people have been convicted in courts of so-called law based on circumstan- circumstantial evidence alone Absolutely. You right. know, over you know, the years. We have There's a call something here. else you said. Yeah, go ahead. She said, know what you know. Well, I would counter that with this. We know the government has never proven any of its allegations regarding 9-11. We know Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, the burden of proof is on the accusers. (laughs) And and one more thing that she said, well, she she said, like, we didn't start from step one. We started it, you know, to paraphrase her, you know, it's step two Two or or step three. Well, I would say I disagree with that because what we started with was the government's official version of events. Which and is we how we always stressed that. Show. Yeah, they yeah. made a statement and we said, well, is that true? The physical evidence from the towers obviously says, A, it's not, but there's other evidence. There's historical evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, non- there's psychological evidence. Mm-hmm. There's the narrative evidence of what have they said before, what has been happened, what has been revealed. Absolutely, and all of that has to be put together yeah. for a complete picture. We've got a call here, Lisa. I'm just going to take it and hope that it's not some kind of... Another... Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Hi, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Are yes, I'm there? here. Hi, what's your name? And where are you calling from? Well, my name is Ashley. I'm calling from Rhode Island. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, Ashley. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, I have a question for, uh, is it Miss Giuliani? Is that her last name? You can call me Lisa. Okay, Lisa. My question is this. I, um, I've read Dr. Uh, Judy Wood's book twice now, and um, I'm still going through it. And there's a mountain of evidence, empirical evidence in there. 
And so, you know, a little bit of who I am. I've been involved with the My Living Truth movement since around 2006 with mm-hmm. Luke Radowski, um, uh, Corey, was it uh, Dylan Avery, Corey Rell, and the likes mm-hmm. of those people. I was also at Richard. People. Yes, I was also at Richard Gage's first um, ever um, meeting of the brainstorm to start AE for 9/11 Truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's just a little bit about who I am and what I know. And I've you know been following everything since the second it happened on 9/11. I knew it wasn't what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that. The evidence that Dr. Judy Wood presents in her book had, was even covered up for me. I was dissuaded from looking at that evidence. Um, and people just need to look at the evidence for themselves and not speculate on anything. The evidence is there if you just look with your eyes and not listen to what anybody says. And the fact that who did it, why it was done, is not as important as what had happened. On 9/11. It's not. No, because what happened is the most important thing. Because uh-huh. that's and what do you do with it? What do you do with that information about what happened? Once, once you establish what happened, which to, to my mindset, uh, it has not been clearly established what happened. There's facts and there's evidence, and I'm not so sure that everything that's been presented uh, by many 9/11 researchers is actually evidence. You know, or facts that actually represent the objective reality. Well, let's be be fair to Dr. Wood's book. It is an extremely detailed, extremely well-put-together collection of some very, very damning evidence that is difficult to dispute the fact that it exists and it happened, right? So in all fairness to her book, it's kind of like the evidence Bible in a certain sense, of what happened to the towers. It might not be the whole picture. No one can ever claim they have all of the information. Right. But, but, it, I mean, it, we're but not... she sounded like she was. Like she no, sounded like she been, made a determination. Been, well, that's okay, because everyone does that. Have you but, read the book, Lisa? No, I didn't read the book. I followed her on the Internet. But the, well, then how can you say I'm not that? dissing her. I'm just saying I'm bringing up points I disagree with that she made, if you listen yeah, to me. Well, you need to read the but you first need to read the book before you can... Well, let me tell you to... what my deal is, okay? No, no, my deal is this. Without Anybody can book, have an opinion. <laughs> well, you can can, I, can I say something? Yeah, go yeah, ahead, Lisa. Thank you. You know, after so many years of being involved in these discussions about the mechanics of the collapses of the towers and what happened and the minutiae, it, it ended up being minutiae, people going around and around about the same points over and over, and everybody has a competing idea and theory and opinion and fact. You know, after a while, you start, well, it's like what Dr. Wood said. If you can't solve it, move on. That's what she just said, okay? So I agree with that. I do agree with what she said there because I think after, let's see, this happened in 2001. It is 2013 now. How long are we going to go round and round chasing our tails? I'm not saying don't examine her evidence or her facts or her ideas or theories. Or well, they're not books. ideas or theories. These are and, actual facts that happened. This well, is, you know, no theory she's not open to other people's ideas and research either. You know, and I know this from experience because I've been privy to email exchanges, long, ongoing email exchanges over the years 
uh, between her and the 9-11 um, scholars for 9-11 Truth and various mm-hmm. other researchers. I was made... Which are... Yeah. <laughs> which I was made privy... If you'd let me finish, thank you. Oh, sorry. You know, uh, I was made privy to these. I didn't want to be privy to these because they turned out to be very combative, hostile, extremely nasty, rude, filthy exchanges between the battle of egos. Because I've learned over the years, most of the people in it that said they were in it to find the truth were really in it to gain notoriety for themselves as solving 9-11. They wanted to sell merchandise. They wanted to sell books and products and things like that. And it started to be more and more evidence was excluded. I am not a proponent, proponent of excluding evidence, so by all means, I would like to read that book. I have a whole stack of books I'd like to read, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. But, 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 but I don't think... If you want to send the book, would you read it? If we, if yeah, we, if she doesn't have to send it to me. I'll buy it. Yeah, okay, we'll just, absolutely. Buy her book. All right, Mr. Frashley. Okay, go ahead. I have a question for Ashley. This is my question. Okay, sure. I have looked at what I can understand of Dr. Wood's material, okay? Okay. And I am converted. I believe I, I don't see, uh, when she's talking about the evidence, I don't see a secondary agenda. I don't. See, I see her reporting the facts as she sees them and saying, hey, this is curious, and she strings them together. It's very good. I am converted. You're, you don't need to convert me. I believe, I, I've drunk the Kool-Aid. I've been saved by Jesus. What am I going to do next? Right? Because you're not going to get an argument with me about Dr. Wood's work because it's impeccable. I mean, you can't you can't really argue with it. You can you can niggle out one or two points maybe. I mean, anybody can, but the evidence that she presents is extremely compelling. And the the active word there being compelling, what am I compelled to do once I ha- I mean, do I just well, accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and then I go about my day? What no, what, what am I supposed been, to do next? Well, this is what I've been compelled to do ever since I've read her book and going through the evidence. Because it doesn't matter who wrote the book. All that matters is the evidence that is in the book. Right. Preaching to the choir. Yes, but I'm just saying with the, as far as Lisa, she needs to read the book before she comes on and says it's a theory. Because right. if you don't read something, how do you know Well, it's I don't think that it's... Yeah. Th- that she needs some church it up. She needs to come to Christ. Okay, but what are we well, going to yeah, do Well, yeah, I'm just saying my, what I've been doing now is trying to show the empirical evidence that has been covered up for years right. the by the so-called 9-11 truth movement and 9-11 scholars for 9-11 truth. Right. Okay, to bring that We need forward, to convert to sinners and the infidels. I understand. Well, no, I'm not I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying here, Ashley. Okay? Yeah. I don't want you okay, to misconstrue I'm, what I'm saying. I'm saying examine whatever evidence or, or information is out there. You know, and and the things she says are compelling. We always said, it, you know, the underground fires that burned for nearly 100 days after 9-11 that they couldn't put out, uh, you know, it was indicative of a higher energy source being used because it was a nearly oxygen-starved environment under the ground. How do we know there were fires? Just counting, kind of, well, how do we know it was fire? Just because it looks like fire doesn't mean it is fire. Well, there was there definitely heat, okay? I mean, who cares? Well, there was no heat. It was energy, you know? Reaction. Look, let me just let me just butt in here and say. See, I thought this was going to be my 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 time to you know. Is, Judy it, Wood it, went it, you know it is, for a long it, time. It is, Lisa. Hang on. She's not let, here let to defend herself. Ashley, nobody nobody's attacking nobody's Judy. Nobody's attacking Judy. Judy Wood here. And we I, look. Hang on a minute. We're all we are all in agreement that 
uh, is not what we are told it was. And there is compelling evidence that can convince a lot of people, if they would look at it, that 9-11 was not what we were told it is. And that's all anybody really needs to do and then decide, everybody together, then decide, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about the fact that 9-11 was not done by Al-Qaeda? And they launched wars on that, on that basis, and mm-hmm. there's thousands of U.S. soldiers who have been killed on the basis of 9-11. This is a high crime by, yeah. uh, by, the go- by, well, who, by whoever did it. The government obviously plays a part in it because the government is, is pursuing that agenda. So let's How could it not be it. involved? Seriously, of course. how could the government she's not leave? She's not saying that they're not involved. She's just saying that she doesn't know. Just to look I know, that's fine, and she doesn't know, so we're going to take it from here. So, Ashley, thank you for your call. Okay, just read the book, please, Lisa. I and absolutely will. Thank you, I will. Okay, we cut her off. Listen, that, that, that's enough. I mean, people yes. shouldn't... People, not callers attacking. can't go on and on and on about something that's very simple. Lisa, take it away. Hmm. Well, I just uh, have a problem with people who want to look at the crime but not look at who, you know, who did the crime, you know? And it's like, I liken it to a rape. Say say ten guys rape a woman and you only go after three of them or you don't go after any of them, you know? How do you just stop there? How do you mm-hmm. just stop at looking at the crime and not mm-hmm. and not trying to track back, like, who was involved? Mm-hmm. And And right. look at what has unfolded since then. My God. You know, illegal invasions and occupations of other countries, people who never raised a hand to us are being slaughtered en masse. And and if I'm not mistaken, you know, wasn't it uh, Osama bin Laden that was put up as the icon of terror? You know, look at what what that has done. They've never proven that. I believe in the beginning, and you will, I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, he even denied involvement in 9-11. In the event of 9/11, of course he did. Yeah. He yes. Did, yeah. Okay, but look, look at what has happened to the 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 public mindset when they look at at people who are of Muslim faith, of Arabs. You know, everybody is pointing a finger at them, and yet the real perps are going scot free. And yeah, you can't. I'm sorry, you can't right. look at this crime without looking further than just the crime scene. One hundred percent. <clears throat> Maybe uh, there's uh, one point. Uh, it's not very clear in my mind yet, but uh, <clears throat> when I, I look at this story again and again, I have the feeling that there are several uh, layers in the onion as far as the perpetrators are, are concerned. Mm-hmm. As if uh, some actors involved you part of the picture but were set up. Um, you see, for example, the Pentagon strike. Uh, targeting uh, specifically the the naval uh, intelligence uh, office. Uh, you see the um, the Pentagon being attacked, and therefore some, somehow creating a kind of alibi for maybe the perpetrators or a party that was involved, a part of the the government. At the same time, you see these uh, those five Jewish guys next to this van dancing, uh, while they see the water center collapsing. Uh, you're wondering, did they know all the? Did they have all the pictures, or were they also partly set up? Because if the public stopped believing it was the government, they would turn against Mossad and Israel. At the same time, when you see the, the amplitude of the event, you're wondering, but those guys, those Jewish guys, were, were they really perpetrators? Did they press the button? It seems this uh, complicated technology was involved, so it doesn't seem to me it was uh, five guys from a van nearby who, who pressed the button and. Uh, and disintegrated the tower. So 
I'm not sure it's black and white. I'm not sure there is a... Right, right. I think there's several level, levels of uh, patsies. Yes, I agree with of. you. And I'm not discounting any use of higher you know, technology weaponry. I'm not saying that because I don't know. And you know what I think? I think nobody really knows the truth. I think we can come close to the truth, and I think as time goes on, maybe, perhaps, I hope, I hope for the sake of all those who lost their lives and continue to lose their lives and have to live this nightmare, that we will come closer to the truth. But frankly, I don't think anybody has it 100% as fact. No. And, and, and anybody who says they do, you know, I'm sorry. There's so much yet we still don't know. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, the research that Judy Wood has pulled together, and here I would say that it's evidence that is there that isn't hers. It's yeah. evidence that she's collected, and she's done a good that job, and fit. she deserves appreciation for putting the evidence together, but it's just evidence that's there. And it fits for me when I... I, mean, I don't even have to read the book, although I have, uh, about, uh, when I see the way the towers collapsed. Right. They collapsed into dust. Yeah, I mean, she I mean makes there's something argument. very strange happened on 9/11, and yeah. as mm-hmm. Ark has just said, Ark as a scientist isn't even willing to go anywhere. And he knows far more than anybody right. about the possibilities of what could have potentially caused this, but he's not willing to speculate because it is in the realm of kind of crazy. It's so far out of out of normal mainstream science that if you're going to talk about it, you may as well drop the hard science uh, yeah, uh, rigidity and just go with the flow. And that's what, that, in a way, that's, that's what I, I mean, I appreciate the way Judy uh, deals with the situation well, and stuff and puts the evidence forward. But if she's going to talk about it, she should allow herself. But maybe she can't well, because, because, because of her reputation. She she give up no, I think the reason she is like that is because she's afraid it will all descend into chaos. Which it probably so, will. Wait, there'll be infighting. There'll be arguments, there'll be back there and forth. Is. Wait, mm-hmm. there'll be polemic. Guaranteed. Which is exactly what, what has happened, happened for the last 12 years. And Lisa, you know yeah. that better than it. Yes, I do. Well, maybe not better than anybody, but I, I do know. Uh, this being said, you know, this. Um, the f- in the beginning of the show, it was obvious that we were... I, I read this book twice, cover to cover, and uh, mm-hmm. I find it, the evidence that are available... It's probably not all the evidence. Nobody has all the evidence, but there's a lot of evidence. They're very compelling. It's very consistent. It's scientifically sound from a, mm-hmm. my point of view. Um, and it has a, a, a consequence on the political level because I'm not willing to do any conclusion about the kind of uh, weapon that was used. The only conclusion I can draw is that it was exotic. It was something unknown. So it tells us on the political level that perpetrators were not uh, basic terrorists. It was not Ben Laden. It was not a. It's a high-level thing. Well, and, uh, and that's a good point because you, you can you can take the various levels of evidence. There's pretty vanilla evidence, you know, that you can present to people, mm-hmm. and it says the, the official story is bullshit. You right. can go as far as taking reading Dr. G. Wood's book cover to cover and find this evidence of kind of high strangeness and very strange things going on, but it still points back to the fact that the official story is bullshit. is bullshit and the government, as a proponent of the official story, is lying to us. And that, I think, is a very, very important point for the lay person who does not, is not able to go into the high strangeness and all that kind of stuff. They just need to understand your government's not working in your best interest. You're... Right. And can I say something? 
Yeah. I, I have not tried to convince people over the years. What I've tried to do is provoke people to think about what they were told repeatedly and and what's what's been going on, what's happened since and, and how you know, these things don't add up. A lot of things don't add up and, and, and how the government has not proven anything that it's said. Well, you know, well, I'm not trying to say you have to believe me. I've asked people to look for themselves and, and, you know, do research and do homework about it and expose themselves to more information sources than just their televisions. Mm-hmm. I would point something out, you know, on this topic. How long has it been since Kennedy was assassinated? Oh, a good 50-some years. And how many times have you heard the magic bullet argument on how unscientific it is? Yeah. They're still arguing over that piece of shit. Right. It's like, right. yeah, take a you know. Take a lesson, yeah. You know, it's like you can't niggle on the, the evidence. The evidence is there. Cool, got it. All right, move on because we need to do something about it. And uh, what I wanted to say earlier, and I missed the chances, is a great quote from, from Martin Luther King that justice delayed is justice denied. Mm-hmm. And that's the government's modus operandi. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just prevent you from finding anything out. They have this rule for 75 years later you can find out what happened. But by then – Nobody Everybody's gives dead. a shit, and nobody can do anything about it, right? Yeah. And that's that's how the government works. They delay, and that's how they deny. Yeah. Well, I Ar- think that you should... Ar- 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 was going to say something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Lisa, concerning the book uh, by Judy, uh, I like the book, what is inside. I don't like the title. The title is The Evidence of Direct Directed free energy technology. I think uh, it's not scientifically correct. It's not exact. It's a guess, mm. and the guess should not be in the title. But probably the book was not the title of the book was not invented by. By Judy, I'm Probably not by a sure. Publisher. <laughs> I am not sure, but it's for me as a scientist, it's uh, uh, it's not a scientific title. Okay. Yeah, for me too, it was it was a big turnoff to see the free energy term there. Cause yeah. It, and I, and I still don't agree with the directed energy weapon situation. It I was something think. weird, and let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Because nobody yeah. can speculate any further. I what agree with you. It was that? weird. They said you want to take a call. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll be quicker on the uptake with this one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Is this my, is this my line? This is your line, yep. Okay. Um, my name is Ryan. I'm Ryan? from San Jose. Hi. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? Do you have a question for Lisa? Oh, well, uh, kind of. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh totally agree that... Uh, you know, government really doesn't have our best interests in mind. You know, you guys are definitely right on track there. Um, and, uh, you know, really I wanted to start by saying thank you for having Dr. Wood on your show. I mean, that was a crucial interview. Thanks for doing that. Okay. Um, you know, really the truth is people have used 9-11 to build their careers and try to sell themselves and, um, you know, sell their credibility, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's become a fight of really who's credible? Who can we look to? Who's credible in, in the fight for truth? And, and that's a uh, trap, man. That's a trap. 
That's, that's a trap, trap. The whole who's credible because that's that that's when that's when you start falling victim to ad hominem attacks. You know, is when you start looking. No, at the, no, that's not person. what I, I'm saying. I'm saying how do you establish the credibility of people? I mean, you get what you I'm saying. You can't. What a person says is true or it's not. You got to try to evaluate it on your own. You can't. You can't. You can't look to a lab coat and say, okay, that person has X number of degrees, therefore they're X amount more credible than somebody else. I mean, that's a trap yeah. because, you know, you you have to look at the evidence yourself. I mean, and right. if it's not convincing to you, then you're gonna have to say, well, wait a minute, I don't understand it. It's not convincing to me. I need to find out more. You can't say Completely, like, well, such, yeah. such a person has a degree, or because I mean, the government carts out people with degrees all the time. You know, like that Stephen Jones guy who slammed uh, Fleischman and what's his name. You know, those guys had degrees on that panel. You know, and yeah, I mean, yeah, that, intellectual dishonesty is generally spelled out when when people get into credentialism. I would say, right? When, when yeah, people get I, into uh, my my doctor is better than your doctor. Right. It's really yeah. about what who has the cure, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean it also that's like, what it comes down to. <laughs> I mean, if somebody says something intelligent, I mean, it doesn't matter if the guy's a drunk, wino, sex addict, you know, reformed Christian or something like that. I don't care if he what he has to say on nine eleven is going to be relevant if it's if it's logical. If I sit there and say, okay, what you said is true, and true is true, it doesn't matter who says it. And that's the fundamental founding idea of science is that you know ad hominem attacks are irrelevant. And the minute somebody makes an ad hominem attack, then you, I, 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 I will tend to discredit them based on the fact that they're attacking somebody's reputation instead of attacking I totally other, agree. And you, know? and, you know, that's why I support Dr. Judy Wood, because mm-hmm. I think that um, the truth is that um, you need look no further to establish uh, credibility of, of the analysis of evidence in the book, Where Did the Towers Go? In the author's preface, if you read her book, Judy Wood gives a qualification for her forensic evidence, and she says uh, the order of crime is to determine what happened, then how it happened, then who did it, and only then can we address why they did it. One yeah, of your, she, she, uh, forgets, she forgot one, one point, which is one of the most important, is, is what do you do with, the, with, with what happened, with your conclusion? That's what happens in a court. There's a jury, and then there's a, a, a thing called a judgment, and that judgment uh, meets out some form of something called justice, and that goes back to the Martin Luther King delayed justice is denied justice. That there is, there is an ultimate yeah. goal to the evaluation of the evidence, and that's sure. important. You know, well, and there's so, always uh, been the possibility of wrongful um, uh, judgment on the case. Uh, you know, in any case, and uh, yeah, we've seen this case. time and time again with our government. Well, I mean, you know, so uh, listen, I know personal listen, victims bro. in my life. Listen, you know? listen. Listen, we, we, we love Dr. Wood. You know, I kind of I want I want to say this because I kind of keep getting the feeling, you know, when when Dr. Wood was on, she seemed like that she was expecting that we had some sort of negative opinion or that we were going to attack her or make kind of like negative assumptions about her, which was not the case. You know, I'm I, a big fan. I wasn't the impression I got it all. Right. So so it's cool. You know, we love her work. We love the book. We recommend the book. You know, we're we're in in her camp here on this, and and we understand she's got a role with her click, and we're really we think it's awesome that people are calling in to show their support. You know, but now we're kind of moving on to new stuff. So yeah, we'd like to we'd like to go forward with this and not keep coming back to to Doctor Wood's stuff, even though it's important. All right, well, Ryan. I, thanks. Can I Ryan, say can let... I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I think you might have got the wrong impression of Dr. Wood because I've been following her for a few years, and I feel that um, I, I've watched her interviews, and I've seen the the less, the, the more negative uh, discussion and the more positive discussion. 
and I've I've just seen that um, Doctor Wood, she's she's on the defensive and needfully so. And the point is, uh, if, no if, you, if you look at the the we specific no discourse, defamation. right? If you look at so the we totally discourse of your show, um, right. she is simply trying to bring the the lenses right. back towards the what. That's it. Yeah, that's you know the, the title in the title of um, of your show it says the 911 psyops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to to say yeah and this is where you 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 see a bunch of people who are really really upset because they know when a psyop is being employed because we went under one for 12 years. Yeah. So so to say, you know, what does one do with the evidence? You know, Dr. Judy forgot about that. What does one do? Well, that's called a psyop because that tells everybody, "Oh well, uh we're gonna we're gonna argue about it forever. We'll never be able to solve anything. Right. We might as well just go ahead and give up. And to tell everyone that they should be fatigued and walk away is called a psyop. So whether you know it or not, you know, Lisa. But by Lisa saying, you know, how can you look at a crime scene? Uh, I'm sorry, at a crime and not uh, want to look at who did it? Well, how can Lisa walk into a crime scene, ignore all of the evidence, That's and then go on to shoot? I, mean, I you, haven't you can't ignored all the evidence. Hold on, hold Absolutely not. I mean, no. let me finish. Let me finish. We did a whole me, documentary on it. You know, we, we wrote books about it. You Hang on, dude. She, you she, she didn't. But you made a statement. She, she didn't ignore all the evidence. You made a statement. She did not ignore all the evidence. Hold on a second. Well, first of all, she didn't read the book. That would be ignoring the Back up, dude. Back up, dude. Hasn't read the Bible. It's okay. Back up, dude. Just opposing views are not allowed. You made a statement. Let her answer, bro. But seriously, man. Come on. I want you on the show. Because I'm not done, and then you can you can add to it. But how could Lisa say, you know, how how can you look at a crime and not look at who did it? Well, how could she form her opinion based on emails from James Fetzer? And it wasn't email alone. It was I was in the 9/11 research scene myself since. Late 2001. And maybe you're not familiar with me or, you know, any of the things that I've done over the course of the years. And I don't really, you know, tout it too much on the Internet because I'm not trying to hawk any product. Okay? But my main interest in this whole thing was to seek out... We're trying to stop the We're not trying to hawk any I never ignored the crime scene or the evidence, Okay. There is a there is an enormous amount of information out there to go Lisa, through. I just cut that guy off because okay. he's making stupid, <laughs> stupid comments. It's, no, it's I expected I mean, this. I mean, you, you know, do you know what I'm going to say right now? Judy Wood's book is good. Do you see all the people who follow her? Judy, ditch him. Because, I mean, because they have a problem. They have I mean, a serious incredible. problem. You know what this is I mean, reminding me of? The Alex What's Jones it? groupies. I know. It's yeah. terrible. You, you know, know, Judy, take a look at your followers because... Okay, there's one more call on hold, and that's the last one we're going to take. So, and this person better not. Uh, hi, caller. What's your name, and where are you calling from? Hello, um, this is Lindsay from Atlanta. Hi, hey, Lindsay. Lindsay. Hi. Hey, hey, Lisa. Um, you remember me from years ago? Um, Lindsay Tackett. <laughs> yes. How are that's you? That's you. Yes, I remember you. 
Yeah. Um, it's it's been a long, long time, and I, I just woke up, but I, I I I heard that you were doing a show, and and I've listened for about maybe twenty five minutes, and not one word about Israel's orchestration yes, of nine eleven. Hey, dude, I, I we're getting to, into it. Give us a chance. We've been taking all. Well, these we're calls trying to get past all of the Judy Wood fan club. <laughs> right, and, we don't and even I, have time. I, I mean, seriously, it's like the do Christian. You, do you want us to get into Israel? Lindy? And I, I just, I, well, actually, I, I just wanted to, um, to, to give the, the name of an essay and also of um, her ex-husband, um, Victor Thorne's book uh, entitled, and frankly, is the best book on 9/11, bar none. Um, uh, I it, wouldn't bar none. 9/11 Ultimate Truth is an excellent book. I suggest you read Laura Quinn. No, I haven't read it. But yeah, it's entitled uh, "9/11 Evil: Israel's Central Role in, in 9/11." And also, there was an essay by um, the real ZCF, the real Zion Crime Factory, entitled um, "Israel: Israel Did 9/11: All the Proof in the World." Yep. And if you're not aware, Dr. Alan Sabrowski, uh, yes, he was the, the form. Right. Well. Um, I'm not sure if the SOT folks are yes, aware. Yes, they published of it on their website. Oh, <laughs> yes, really? they're aware. Okay. Just, yeah, well, just for, let's just pretend that we've been doing this for a while. We're on top Just of for the record. Salt was Thank you, Lindsay. Salt. I appreciate you calling. No, it, it's my pleasure. And I, I just wanted you know, to, to, to help steer the conversation to something more relevant for, for people to Thank you. be we've got more tangible. We've got a half an hour left and we're going to do that. Thanks yeah. for your call, Lindsay. Okay. Yeah, bye-bye, bye-bye. Just, bye. Bye. Just so all of uh, Judy Wood's um, fans are, are aware, Salt.net has been on this since it happened and mm-hmm. has been attacked since the day it happened. Endlessly, endlessly, right. endlessly. Flamed, flamed, to the point that while quite a lot of people out there seem to know all about Judy Wood, although their argument is, well, nobody's ever heard of her, hardly anyone really knows about Sot.net. That's right, and, because you've quietly uh, been doing the research and writing about this for many, many years without the fanfare. Yeah. Yeah, you the, don't want the fans. The Pentagon strike video is a good example. Yeah. Five hundred oh, yeah. million viewers. Uh, one billion. One billion. That's no way. Qu- that's quite a lot. And uh no mention whatsoever in mainstream media and actually they were mentioning we went to the Con Film Festival for that. Yeah, and they were mentioning indirectly the <laughs> indirectly the the content of the video, but never was mentioned yeah. the website, the source. The idea was to discredit the idea, but at the same time, do not give any publicity to the source because they knew it was dangerous and counterproductive from their point of view. Yeah, Lisa. I would like to recommend to anyone listening who hasn't read the book you and Laura Nightyadchik wrote, 9-11, The Ultimate Truth, to please yeah. check that book out because I, thought, I, I think that's a defining book for 9-11. Yeah. And I urge everybody to get a copy of it. And uh, it's a shame that more people haven't, you know, heard about it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you guys operate a lot differently than pretty much everybody else in this right. so-called truth movement and research community and uh, conspiracy circle, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the people at SOD are very meticulous, very thorough, and they, they look under every rock every rock they can find. So it's not like they just happened on the scene, you know, last week. Yeah, but people treat us like that perpetually. I know. They think whether we were born yesterday. I yeah. know. You know? I know. I mean, Judy's going to come up here and roll like 10 deep. 
and, and think that we don't see exactly what's going on. And we we appreciate it. We understand it because we've been under attack plenty too. And you know, I mean, she's yep, she's done giant shell shock. You know, I mean, so we yeah. appreciate that shit. And on the Israel thing that Ashley mentioned, um, you know, Israel did it. I think that again, or saying any one person or any one yeah, group of people did it, is kind of mm-hmm. too simplistic, you know, because obviously we're dealing with something here that was kind of the crime of the century in a big, big right. way. I think it's beyond na- nations. It's yeah, world. it's it's multi. It's got to be. I mean, when we talk about this stuff, we have to get into kind of, you know, real conspiracy yeah. terms and stuff Hardcore. like the the shadow government and stuff. But that's you know what I'm going to say. No, I'm going to say it like this so that I can get attacked again. <laughs> Ready? Go ahead. I think it was a faction within the United States government at the federal level, uh, Zionist, dual American-Israeli citizens in high-level power positions, and also working in conjunction with Israeli government intelligence. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm not saying it's our whole government and their whole government, although I can't really speak to their government because, well, I, I look at both of them like crime syndicates, you know, mm-hmm, and that's what mm-hmm. I call them. <laughs> crime well, syndicates posing as governments, at least these factions within them that are actually uh, dominating uh, the the turn of events, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. everything that's happened since 9-11, I don't know how anybody could not stop to wonder you know, because they always tie everything back to 9-11, using 9-11 as a justification for everything they're right, doing. Right. You know, yet, if I may, if you if you allow me to repeat for the third time, because I'm saying this and I don't want it to be taken lightly. We know the government's never proven any of its allegations about 9-11, yet everything that's happened since has been justified because of 9-11. And if they haven't proven it, then they, they haven't proven that what they're saying is true, you know, and we know, we know, like, some of the hijackers, the alleged hijackers, uh, supposedly were alive after 9-11. How could that even be possible if they mm-hmm. all died? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? More inconsistency. Uh, I, mean, I have a question, Lisa, um, yes. if, you, if you allow me. Uh, I'm wondering if there's not uh, several conspiracies within conspiracies and uh, several agendas at work. Because now, 12 years later, when you think about it, sure, if you have the question, qui bono, who benefits for the crime? Obviously, the the totalitarian, the Middle East has been a loser. Israel has been a winner. Uh, a military complex has been a winner. But now, 12 years later, I'm wondering if the main loser is not the American people. Yeah. Oh, so I was, think so. <laughs> wasn't the American people the real target in the end? And uh, wasn't 9-11 the trigger to uh, institute a a totalitarian, dystopian uh, society in the U.S. I think you're right about that. I think they went the long road around to get to the end point, and we haven't quite reached the end point yet, but they sure have made progress over the years, in my opinion. Uh, You know, you keep a people in a level of fear, and it's amazing what you can accomplish. I mean, look at what just happened in Boston you know, where they locked down Boston, and people were cheering for that. They were cheering at the end, you know. Yeah, wow, exactly. they pulled that one off. Let's see what they can do with some other cities, you know. Well, just, well, absolutely, and just people need to make that link back to 9-11 from Boston because there yeah. is a direct link back to 9-11 because Boston was terrorism, and people have been conditioned 
since 9-11, because of 9-11 and all of the terror plots since then, they've been conditioned to be afraid and to be terrorized by this idea of terrorism and some kind of an external threat. Originally, initially, it was an external threat that could attack us, obviously, in the U.S. on 9-11. <coughs> Afterwards, it was, you know, various threats from Arab terrorists, blah, blah. And at this stage, it doesn't matter if it was Chechens or, or mm-hmm. you know, Papua New Guinean pygmies or something. Yeah. For the American people, it's a terror threat. We're under attack. And like you just said, Lisa, the end result is they have got the American people to cheer and clap when they're put under martial law and yeah. the houses are raided but, by the police. Look at, the the army. Look mean, at how it's evolved, right? The, t- the threat was originally external to the United States, according to the official version of events, okay, the original conspiracy theory. But now we're the threat. Absolutely, yeah. People within the U.S., homegrown terrorists, yes. and it's directly linked. They've just maneuvered, they just moved the goalposts yeah. and maneuvered exactly. people around. Yeah. And, and it's been very extent. subtle and incremental, you know. Uh, it's not, I call them spikes when they highlight certain stories in the news and they run with them and it's to promote that, ratchet up that fear factor in the population and the paranoia factor. And, uh, and it's worked. It's worked masterfully. And uh, following this thread of uh, multiple agendas, non-linear development of uh, those events and uh, perpetrators screwing up, uh, screwing other perpetrators, you, reminds me of those, uh, you know, those Christian Zionists. They're mm-hmm. not Jewish. They right. probably don't have uh, Israel interest uh, at heart. And uh, no. the, this fulfillment of prophecy where somehow you bait Israel in going yeah. over the line and uh, digging its own tomb, mm-hmm. you know, by um, doing too much in the Middle East, thanks to 9-11, and finally fulfilling the prophecy where Israel is destructed in order to reach the domination of those uh, Zionist Christians. So yeah. it's really not straightforward. There's a lot of players and there's a lot of cheating and setup and uh, it develops over years yeah. and years, almost decades. Because I don't think that Israel has really benefited. I mean, the the current of anti-Semitism, especially among Christian, white Christians and, and, and just Christians in general, is always below the surface. And after the Holocaust, of course, it was suppressed, but it's still there. There's a lot of anti-Semitism. Well, Jason, if I, and if I could And it's being developed. In. Yeah. I think Israel's benefited in a few ways, but one of them, right off the top of my head, is that Israel never wanted a balance of power in the Middle East. And, and it's, you know, you get rid of, you take out Iraq, you know, and they're happy about that because, you know, they don't want, they don't want them around. And, you know, they don't, as far as I can see, they don't really want any of their neighbors around. They want to just expand their land uh, grab and, you know, right, kill right. or, or cause to flee any... Uh, yeah. You know, any not, people I'm that not, stand in their way. I'm not ignorant of that. You know, I just remember what the Baron von Harkonnen said. You know, people hate a popular person. You know, I mean, Israel is kind of like in the – they're getting their way all the time, you know, and and people don't like that. You know, they're, How do you look they're at them as a victim up. when they're killing so many Palestinians? <laughs> I'm not looking at them as a victim. I'm saying you, that I mean, they are being – I'm saying that they are being allowed – all of the, the anti-Semitic Christians, all these people who don't really like the Jews – they are standing back and say, oh, yeah, you can have it, whatever you want. And they just keep asking for more and more. And it's one of those give them enough rope, they'll hang themselves type of situation. Because yeah. people, I mean, I, I have noticed that there's a huge rise in Israel did it. Israel, those Israelis, you know. And yeah. it's, it's, there's a lot of ang- anger that's going to explode at a certain point against Israel 
which is going to lead to this whole Christian Zionist Armageddon on the the hills of wherever it is in, in Israel. I, mean, I, I think yeah, it's important people... to make the distinction between Zionists, you know, and mm-hmm. Jewish people well, in the yeah. whole thing, you know, and and when, it's not the, the Jews overall. But I want to say this. I want to say this. You know, if if the Jewish people don't want Zionism speaking for them, they really need to speak up and, and yeah. make that known. Because right now Zionism seems to be speaking for all the Jewish people. Uh, just like the American, just like Obama uh, speaks for the Americans. But yeah, exactly. If you follow the reasoning, it's worse than that. Uh, well, we're not sure about what is going to happen. But uh, in this scenario I presented previously, you have the Zionist, not necessarily Jewish, by the way, right. who work, who prepare the annihilation of the Semitic people, Semitic, the Arab Semitic, and the Jewish Semitic. Uh, you see what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not Zionist as extremist Jewish or nationalist Jewish. It's, right. it's anti-Semitic Zionist. It seems mm-hmm. a paradox, but mm-hmm. uh, it might be what will happen in the end. Yeah. Non-Jewish Zionists, which are anti-Semitic, that will prepare well, the destruction of the Jewish people. Yeah, you know, for for all the... For all we know, the Jewish people are also being made a target here, too, by their own political movement and the Zionist mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems to me that when talking again about who did 9-11, you're talking about a certain group of people that are really above and beyond national boundaries and yes. religious or ethnic ide- and ideologies or considerations. Their desire and goal is to control people regardless of, of, of identity. And, and the way to control people is to make them, you know, divide and conquer, set them against each other, yeah. encourage conflicts, wars. These people are sitting somewhere up on high, you know, in their own heads, and they're looking at the world as their little oyster. They, 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 they think about things in a global sense. They see all 7 billion people on this little blue marble kind of thing, and they go, mine. And, 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 they, want, and they use ideologies, sure, in their manipulations of people, you know, and when you say Zionism and Israelis, yeah, I think you're talking about uh, kind of high up in, the, in that level. But even they are kind of be getting their orders from someone who really has this global perspective, you know, yeah. and has a broad understanding, a broad knowledge base. Yeah. I mean, they're not stupid people. They're obviously, they're evil, but they're smart. Yeah. No, they're diabolical, uh, but they're, you know, super intelligent. I think one thing we can say we know for sure, whoever pulled off 9-11 holds no sanctity for the value of a human life. Absolutely. On That's the, what it comes down to. On, on the I think it's safe to say that, right? Yep. <laughs> well, look, I, I think one of, their drive, or the, one of their main drivers is, uh, as Joe said, control, and it's also destruction, and those top perpetrators, for, for them, humans seem to be, all humans are expandable. Yes. And potential source of uh, suffering. And... Uh, uh, and Actually, even uh, CIA agent, ONI agent, FBI uh, officials, uh, Mossad leaders, Israel government, U.S. government, in the end, it's all the same. They're Everybody expendable, and that's what those uh, middle-range perpetrators forget. They think that they're on top of the range. They're on top of the pyramid. They're not. And I think, ultimately, that we realize that uh, they were set up, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, we were all set up. <laughs> sacrifice character to a lot of the terrorist type of things, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of imagine that maybe these people are like some sort of weird Satanistic kind of cult, I mean, I don't know, that's the best word I can come up with, 
that they organize these these terrorist attacks and to them it's sort of like sacrificing people on the altar, you know, like Sandy Hook and stuff like that. These type of people, I mean, they're they're evil, you know, in that kind of way where we have no words to truly describe what kind of evil they are, except to call them things like Satanists, that's not really fair because, you know, mm. Satanists are not really How about we call them psychopaths? Yeah, well, we we could, but then that 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 implies um, they couldn't do otherwise, and I think at the top that they're they conscious. are not. They're not just machines. I think that psychopaths are the tools of these people. They yeah. recognize they exist. They're people with like black souls. I think they are call evil people. They must be evil people because there's a there's a certain craft to what they do that underlies a kind of malevolent creativity mm. that mm-hmm. I don't think would be present in a psychopath. The level of skills necessary probably requires more than a psychopath. Psychopaths are kind of ideal tools, ideal robots, because they're kind of innately attracted towards destruction. So when you have a dark soul like that, it's a... Well, one of the, really, one yeah, of the problems well, with the idea of being a psychopath is that psychopaths, generally speaking, don't envision very, far, very yeah. far into the future or long term, but these people show this long-term long strategizing term. that is really diabolic and diabolical mm-hmm. and really devious, you know what I mean? Like, Because yeah. obviously, I mean, the 9-11 thing was planned well in advance and it's coming to fruition. Now you're talking at least 20 years there. Maybe right. you could even go back to JFK, the right. t- same type of people involved or their ideological for- uh, ancestors, uh, descendants. You know, um, and this, this, is, this is what people don't <coughs> understand and this is the scary part of the story. That this is really, what makes it a psyops. This is what make well. This is what no, not what makes it a psyop. This is this picture that we're presenting of this all-seeing eye. Can I say what this basically a, a force, a power in the world that is controlling the entire planet and can see long term and can has, has a has a, a really in-depth knowledge of human psychology and how to manip- manipulate masses of people. I mean, I I don't know anybody else. And I can understand why they don't, but I, I don't want anybody else who, who would even want to go there, who would even go there. They all want to fixate on the little minutiae of their yeah, own Yeah, I know. And, and that's why I know you all do, and I try to, every day, encourage people to expand their knowledge base by reading. A lot of people ask, what's the point of reading a book? What's the point of seeking out books and, and getting information? Well, the point is arming yourself with knowledge because, as we all like to say, knowledge protects. You well, know, you save your life, ignorance yeah. and dangers. Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, most of the people out there don't realize the gravity of the situation. They're being misinformed because they watch their televisions and for a number of other reasons. You know, a lot of them are on antidepressant drugs and not thinking clearly. And uh, a lot of them aren't thinking at all. Absolutely. I think it's important to read and, and gather as much information. That's why, you know, I'm all for reading Judy's book, not to bring it up again, but I am all for reading it. You know, I just I haven't been able to read it yet. I think the point the point that to answer you know our detractors and the, the fanatical people who really don't look make make Judy would look very good is that we're talking here just about the truth and p- getting people away from the art of the clutches of government and the manipulations of government to try yeah. and pull them in and make them trust and believe in authority, which will only end in their own destruction. To get people away from that, you don't need necessarily, and maybe, and it's not even, for a lot of people, it's not even appropriate or useful to try and get them to look at all the details, right. in depth, etc. If you can simply bring up, and you tailor to each person, if you've got a little demographic who are of this type of person, this type of mind, or whatever, you just present them with 
a certain type of information that's kind of and it's kind of softer or it's easier for them to grasp you take them along one step at a time you just say listen your government probably doesn't have your best interests at heart you know or you, any number of little details you know uh i'm sure lisa you've you've tried to do that in various different ways yourself and yes sir and and um, th- that's the approach we have to take because you can't just be like a fanatic for one particular way of doing it because you're going to miss out on a lot of people. And there are some people who say that, well, to hell with all the people out there. They've given up and I've given up on them long ago. But we don't. We haven't given up on the potential or the possibility for snatching one or two out of the fire, even at the last moment. And whatever way we can tailor our message, which is consistent in its core, we can tailor it in different ways to try and appeal and reach those people and save even just one at a time, in our, in, save in the sense of getting them out of the clutches of evil government. Well, look at like education systems and the pedagogical method is, you know, oh, standardized test. Everybody does the exact same thing. And then they've gone and done studies and said some people are kinesthetic. You know, some people do better this way, yeah. some people do better that way. And it's the same basic philosophy. It's like, yeah, you've got to educate somebody. And if you present it to them one way, you're going to guarantee that they're not going to get it. Basically, I mean, you yeah. just cut them off, you know, and if, Absolutely. You, if you can just change the way you say things to present the same information in a palatable way, mm-hmm. you know, you might help them. You don't know. Right. And it's about helping people in the end. It's not about being right. Yep. Being right is never the point. It's being good. It's hel- helping people who are suffering in the world. Right. People are suffering. People are dying. They're being murdered. Children are being why, murdered. That's why I, I take I take issue with people who who uh, continue to want to believe what they're hearing on their TV, and innocent people are dying, you know, and they keep dying every day. They keep being killed every day because of the lies that are ba- that all the way tracked back to 9-11 in 2001. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and it's still important. And there's a lot of people who don't even want to hear about 9-11 anymore because it was so long ago now. The years have flown by rather quickly, you know, but it's, it's still just, just as relevant today as it was when it happened. You know what the scary shit is? The scary thing is, is actually I think it tracks back further. Yeah, I know it does. JFK. You can't even go there with them, you know. (laughs) You know, I mean, all these Nazi scientists who were into the occult got Mm -hmm. nationalized and put into all these key positions of scientific power in all the intelligence agencies, and then look what happened. The generations. It smells. It smells of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it reeks. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say our government wouldn't do that to us. You know, well, let's look at the Kent State shooting, and we don't have to even go into there, but they killed American citizens, you know, at Kent State. They killed yeah. our own people, you know, and, and, and that's another thing that irks me, Tuskegee too. The Tuskegee experiment? Huh? The Tuskegee experiment? Oh, absolutely. Where they forcibly infected a bunch of African Americans with syphilis to see how yeah. long it would take them to suffer and die? <laughs> you know, I just wish people would look for alternative news sources other than their TV, you know. Um, the TV has steered people away from the truth ever since it happened. Uh, I'm sure, and I know, and you know, there's other stories that they they don't tell the truth about. They violate their own code of journalistic ethics, and well, they used to have one. I don't really think they have one anymore, but that's debatable, I guess. No, I just wanted to... um... To what to what Lisa said, you know, when when you mentioned that uh, when you regret the apathy of uh, the masses <clears throat> in front of the daily suffering and daily killing of children, <clears throat> I was thinking about those dark elites, and I was wondering somehow 
feeding from the, the suffering and the submission of uh, human beings, I was wondering, of, of the people, I was wondering if uh, um, maybe even more important to them than the suffering and the death of thousands of children was not this uh, induced apathy in human beings. Because uh, at a deep level, there's probably a, a struggle about the, the souls of individuals, you know? And uh, this mass apathy of billions of people it's a huge, huge victory of the dark force. Mm-hmm. And apathy is the only true sin in the world. Absolutely. You know, people talk about wanting to get... Um, everybody has to read Dr. Judy Wood's book. And sure, anybody who is at that level where they have gone through the process, where they're willing to be <coughs> expose themselves to, to that kind of information, that in-depth information is fine. But you know what? There's millions and millions and millions of other people who are still have the potential who That's right. all they all they need right now is to care a little bit about the death of children, the death of Palestinians, the fact yeah. that it's not US, just American children. It's not just I'm, when the bullet flies home that it matters that the bullet appeared at all. You know this uh, selective empathy that I have written about on some occasions. You I'm know, proud it, of it, it, just, yeah. it just it just kills me to see that. It's like why is an American <laughs> life more important than any other life? It isn't. Yeah. And it's a terrible indictment on, 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 on human being, you know, uh, to, to say that they, that they don't care to that extent, you know. And we're trying, uh, in our own way, to try and even just get people up to that level where they care in a simple way. Forget about even all 9-11 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, just care and, and about just, the fact that people are dying. Exactly. Uh, and, and, we are, stop. and we are opposing here. We, we've noticed or witnessed the opposition of two fundamental and non-mutually exclusive factors, that is the, the emotion, the empathy, the compassion, the emotion of the dimension, and uh, on the other side, what uh, Judy Wood presents, the, the intellectual side, the evidence, the, the facts. And actually, for a human being, I mean, symbolically, to walk correctly, he needs those two legs, intellect and emotion. You need yes. both. It's not, it, it goes hand in hand, actually, truth and, uh, and compassion well, and empathy. Isn't that what makes us human, the two together? Exactly. So we have to work, work towards those two goals, and they go together. I think apathy is a, a weapon of mass destruction, but what people don't realize, many people don't realize, is that who it's destroying is us. Absolutely. <laughs> it destroys the apathetic yeah. person in the end. Yeah. yeah. All right, Lisa, we're getting pretty close to our end time here, our real end time, and that we can't actually continue. We've just got a couple of minutes left. And do you have anything, you know, well, monumental? Well, I would or... just like to say this. Uh, because so much of the 9-11 truth movement has omitted the information, I would urge everyone to look into the Israeli connection to 9-11, the Israeli government connection to 9-11, and there's a lot of information out there about it. And I do think that, a faction within the Israeli government played a central role in what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, listen, Lisa, thanks for being on. It's been good. It's been good to talk to you and hear your voice and have your have your opinions uh, on on this topic of topics. Um, thank you all very much. For thank you very on. much, thank you, Lisa. Lisa. All right, take care. We hope we can take have care. you back soon. Okay. Soon. All right. Take thanks. care of yourself. Yes, I will. Thanks, thank for you. listeners. Bye. 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 All right, folks, that's it. It's been a bit of a polemic show, and it's 
all because we invited Dr. Judy Wood on the show. Um, I think it was a good thing. I think it was a good thing. Really Absolutely, good. and we wanted. I to, loved all of her callers. We wanted. Right on it. You loved them all. I did. I you should have get... seen some of the comments they were making oh, on, yeah, the, on the thing. But yeah, they're, but that's good. But they're but they're real. Like I mean, yeah. if you if if you don't follow the Bible, you're yeah. you're evil. I mean, they're, they're they're in there with their Bible reading, you know, quoting chapter and verse. Yeah. Anyway, Book listen, Book. folks. We'll be back next week. Uh, with some other topic of some description. Next week we've got Dr. Colin Ross. Oh, oh exactly, yeah. Dr. Colin Ross. Look him up. Author of CIA show. doctor. So we'll be talking. Yeah, doctor. Psychiatry. Wow. Tune in and for another Shot Talk Radio show overnight.